The Incomparable Removes Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, Omnibus Edition. Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm Jason Snell, your host. We are going to talk about something in this episode that we have previously denied all knowledge of, and once this episode is done, we will then deny all knowledge of again. Our topic tonight is a fine... Well, okay. A film that was released in 1999 will let you make your own value judgments. It is Star Wars Episode 1, colon, The Phantom Menace. Emphasis on the colon. Yeah, so joining me to talk about this is a uh, quite a panel we've assembled. Everybody was just lining up because they wanted to talk about this movie. Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Thanks for... No. No. no, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't want to be here. I'm, I'm at gunpoint, lightsaber okay. point, midichlorian under point. Protest. Are you, are you doing this podcast under protest? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I do all my podcasts really technically under protest. <laughs> this one is even more <laughs> under protest. Even worse. Okay. Fair enough. Welcome. Good to have you here. Ha ha. Ha 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 Serenity Caldwell is also here. Hello. Hello. Also slightly under protest, although mm. I think I'm more mad at Dan because I watched episode one when it was out in theaters because my parents wanted to go see it in 3D. And then he made me watch it again because he had not. I like that you say that I made you watch because I saw this in the theaters, too. We'll get into that. No, no, no. I mean, I saw this when it was re-released like six months ago. I saw it in so the you, theaters. So you're the one. Everybody, yeah. there is enough blame to go around. <laughs> Uh, this is just the blame podcast. Let's get this out of the way. Steve Lutz is also here. You heard him laughing about blame. Hi, Steve. Yippee! Yippee! <laughs> You're dead to me, Lutz. A more convincing yippee. And I say again, because once apparently is not enough. Yippee! <sighs> now, Monty Ashley is here. He He's going to bring a much-needed uh, level of sanity or insanity. <laughs> I'm not sure which to the proceedings. Hi, Monty. Thanks for being here. I am pleased to be here. I was pleased to watch this movie. You're also dead to me. <laughs> uh, and then two people who I'm very glad to have on this podcast. First off, because uh, you got the other guys are fine. They're fine. But but I'm glad Greg <laughs> Noss is here. We haven't heard him talk about Star Wars since the first Star Wars podcast we did, uh, where we, we were recording for about five hours, and I think his wife like made him sleep in the basement for a week after that. Greg, welcome back. You're on my list, Snell. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I've been on your list for like 18 years now. And John Syracuse, of course, is here despite, I think there was a court order or something. That, you know, Despite his protests, he, he is here and apparently did rewatch Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Hi, John. I'm assuming counselors will be available at the end of this episode <laughs> to talk to us about our any feelings we might have. Yes. Talk us down. There's a special hotline on standby. I'm, I'm Their impressed first job is John, to unpry you from the fetal ball. I'm impressed <laughs> that John watched a movie that doesn't exist. Well, according to him. That's what... Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, yeah. you know. That's <laughs> what we had to do. I, I'd like to start, actually, because I, I, I sensed a great <laughs> With a disturbance in the force. And, and that disturbance, which was made out of midichlorians, I believe. Sort of a cloud <laughs> of midichlorians. <sighs> Uh, suggested that I ask if anybody, John Syracuse, had any opening remarks that they would like to make before we get started. <laughs> I've prepared a brief statement. <laughs> John, thoughts? I do have a brief opening statement. I, <laughs> yes. This is like the opening of Nuremberg. <laughs> yes. It's, it, it's, it is. I think I've said all these same things before, but they belong here in this place <laughs> yes. in this episode. I, I will be brief. Uh, so we've done a bunch of episodes about Star Wars before. Uh, three beloved movies. 
that make a nice little story. The first one, we meet Luke. In the last movie, Vader's dead. Empire's defeated. Luke is a Jedi. Sorry if you want to do the, the spoiler horn for that. Too late. Uh, yeah. There's just one wrinkle. In the middle movie, we learn that Vader is Luke's father. And this is the seed of the prequels. So the prequels are not more adventures in the Star Wars universe. or The like, tiny, stunted learn. seed that no one yeah. wanted to see grow yeah. in the first place. And it's not like learning about, you know, minor characters or whatever. Uh, the seed of the prequels is, uh, is the fact that Vader is Luke's father, right? So the Star Wars prequels, as I see them, have one job. Explain how the good man who was Luke's father became Darth Vader. That's, that's the reason these movies exist. Um, and I don't know if we're going to do episode two and three. God, please, let's not do episode two and three. But yes. Yes. either way, I want to make one overarching point before we begin this journey it, or whatever we're now. doing here. Yeah. Forget for a moment about the terrible script, bad acting, Jar Jar Binks, all that stuff. The greatest sin of the Star Wars prequels is that they fail to provide a compelling rational story of how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. I'm sure we'll talk about all the other problems in the rest of this episode here. But above and beyond all of that, there's this essential truth. Uh, the prequels had one job to do, as far as I'm concerned, and they blew it. And they didn't just blow it, they blew it in a spectacular fashion, and I presume that is what we will talk about for the rest of this episode. I, I, will, I will add, as an addendum to John's excellent, excellent opening point, which, which I agree with wholeheartedly, is that more than that, because they failed so spectacular at this job, they also kind of, to a certain extent, compromise the original trilogy in that their existence reveals something that is considered, you know, a major plot twist of the original trilogy, which to me is problematic because how do you deal with the fact that you go into these, like, if you watch them in the supposed order, starting in episode one and moving forward, the it's, ending it's of Empire is basically order. is spoiled. And, and as one of the great moments of the original trilogy that that I find I find unforgivable. Empire's not that good anyway. But that's not this movie's <laughs> fault. That's a different movie's fault. Is it? <laughs> this is the first movie leading up to it. I will say there is a way to get around that, which is the only way I can conceivably consider watching the Star Wars prequels, which is Machete Order, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, but still, uh, my main problem with this movie in particular is that the person with the most fleshed out character uh who has the most interesting dialogue back and forth and dialogue exchange r2d2 is R2 well r2d2 r2d2 is a close second he has a hot scene with padme too well that's the thing all right so r2d2 can't actually speak in words or at least we get to make up whatever he's saying yeah so he automatically has Best good dialogue. lines yeah, yeah it's exactly. always filthy everything he says is unbelievably <laughs> filthy he's a droid what do you expect he's mirroring what i'm thinking as i'm watching the film yes but no it's it's the slave parts dealer it's watto watto is the only person who's a, a 3d character in this movie and he's not even three, you know, the only part of him that's technically 3D is the CGI that made him. And yet he is the most compelling character in this movie. This is a movie that has Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor in it. And the most compelling character is a CGI winged thing. That's And R2-D2. And R2-D2. Well, R2-D2 is awesome regardless. He wins the world, whatever. All right. Thank you. Any other opening statements before I call my first witness? <laughs> Wait, is there a reason that these movies exist other than to make a profit? I realize that's a goal of every movie that's made, but 
this movie came in with enormous cultural expectations and they didn't even attempt to fulfill them by including any art. You know, John talks about the goal of the movie, the the thematic end point that they were supposedly shooting for, but it was just time to make more money, right? Well, no, I, I think there was that that seed of the movie is like like the, the the Star Wars movies make a nice whole story, and there's just one little thing left. You're like, oh yeah, but like, but what about Vader? Yeah, I know, I saw the whole story, I saw how it ended and everything, but like, what what about how did he get to be that guy? Because I heard in the first one that he was a good guy, and then he became this bad guy. That is like the only untied up loose end. And if you're really into Star Wars, you're like, yeah, I bet that's an interesting story. Turns out, <laughs> but yeah, like, but, so but that, that's one of those interesting stories, those loose ends that you don't want explained. No, I think. It, you you can much explain better it. if you can come up with your own solution on that nah. one. You can explain it with a good story. There's an, there could have been a, another good story there. I, I agree with John. I mean, there wasn't, but I think I think <laughs> you know the idea of having. I think that I'm willing to give Lucas the benefit of the doubt in that he intended well when he set out on this journey, but he just massively failed in the execution of what he yeah, was like I, I don't for. think it was like a money grab. Like it's not like oh well, actually he we already had more money. Completely than self-contained story, and there's no reason for it. There was a reason. It's not like he had to. Oh geez, well we've we've just wrapped up everything, and there's nothing. I'll have to invent all new characters. You didn't. You didn't need to invent all the characters. You had Anakin. He he deserved his. He, you know. And in fact, there's a failure we can go into. Not inventing more new. Well, I know, but I'm saying like it's not as if it's not as if they were out there going, "Hmm, we we really need to make some new Star Wars movies." But there's really nothing more to say. No, there totally was. Like, I mean, I think the the three after, like the original nine plan or whatever, like the three after, you could argue, boy, then what are you going to say? But for the prequels, there was a reason for them to exist, and I think that's why everyone was so excited about them because you, there, there wasn't like this trepidation of like, "Oh my God, what are they going to be about?" Of course, they were going to be about you know Anakin Vader thing. Yeah, everybody <laughs> wanted to see Obi-Wan teaching Anakin because we'd heard about it for so long. Um, yeah, the Clone that's... Wars got a mention. You could do, like that's open. But that's that's called field, I mean that's know? part of the backstory of the of the true trilogy. Is it's 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 the the fleshing out that you don't want detailed. It, and and in the detailing it ruins uh. it. It was a totally yeah. unnecessary venture. Well, th- there is definitely detailing that ruins this. I mean, I think we can all we'll, we'll get to the midichlorian part later. And I think we all we all agree that that there is detailing there that ruins it. I I don't think that necessarily just by the idea of wanting to see this uh, it necessarily its existence ruins it. I I still maintain that there's a good yes. story that could be told here, but the, yeah. the the way it was told was really bad. I mean, I think I think it's to me it's interesting to see we have a character like Obi Wan that has this hubris and realizes that, that he has screwed up and tried to train this guy he was not capable of training and. It is interesting to us to see this guy who has become the mentor to his son, like, well, okay, how did that happen? How did he screw up so badly? Like, was it really his fault? I mean, and how did this person who is, you know, supposedly, there's a whole, you know, the father issues and stuff going into that. How do our, our fathers, who we look up to in many ways, end up failing us and and failing themselves? And I think there is an interesting theme in so that. if the motivation was to tell that story, why didn't they even make a glancing well, that's, blow that's at That's the question. Oh, well, why? They why? Why? <laughs> Does, you know it doesn't work because you've already seen it. There have been good prequels, and Lucas thought he was making one. He's not a good storyteller. Even if you just want to pick like the, like Godfather Part Two, where they're like, "Oh, do we really need to see the backstory of the guy who died in the first Godfather?" Yeah, if you do it well, it's good. 
You know, it can be I, done. I don't think, though, for Star Wars, I don't think there's any way that they could have possibly made this story that would not have disappointed 90% oh, of the oh, fan base. Oh, I think, I think you're right. I think that's probably true, but... But but they managed to disappoint 100%, which is a pretty yeah, impressive feat. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think filling in the backstory fundamentally means that you're going to ruin everything. I, I think that... Uh, and this could be an epic failure analysis if we wanted to go into there. But you know, for me, I look at this and I think, well, first off, th- this is a uh, something conceived as three movies, and the first movie kind of doesn't need to exist in a lot of ways. In every way, that the, that the character of Anakin in this movie isn't important. You know, the stuff in Star Wars that always fascinated me about the backstory was about you know, uh, your, I was te- I was training your father, and he was a great pilot, and then we find out in the in the Empire Strikes Back that he became Darth Vader. And that story is really interesting. We don't get that story in episode one. We get the story of this little kid, this little, little kid who apparently is a, a, a prodigy. And he and there's this other guy who isn't Obi-Wan who meets him. And, it, you know, it's not the story, you know, at all That's the, that I expected. It's not what we were it promised. Is, and not in a good way. It's sort of like, why, did, why does this movie even exist uh, it, you know, and it sets up, and then it sets up things that it can't deliver on in other movies. So that's for me. That's the failing of this movie. It's not that this movie was trying to do an unwinnable task. I think, I think it just it was misconceived, and I think mis slotted in uh, in as episode one of a three episode arc because they had already numbered the other ones and so they had to do it this way and what geez what are we going to do in the first movie well he'll be a little kid well it's not very interesting you know one of the things about this movie that that star wars has that this movie doesn't is the backstory tell me anything about quigon that happened before (laughs) the first scene he had a beard he grew a beard anything he wore yeah he he grew a beard (laughs) he grew his he grew his uh long he built a lightsaber he was stuck with (laughs) obi-wan against his will there is you know what the backstory is? The backstory is the crawl trade about disputes, uh, yes. the Trade Federation dispute. It's your worst, worst crawl uh. ever. Yeah, you, you know you're in for a treat when the word taxation appears in the first paragraph <laughs> of the opening scroll, and then and then shipping turns up in the second paragraph. The first twenty seconds of this movie are perfect. It's got the Lucasfilm logo. It's got the the beginning of the music, and it's got Star Wars fading into a starfield, and that it's all downhill from there. Right, right up to the point where you see the fa- episode one, the Phantom Menace. Okay, we're good, yeah. and then it's just downhill. No, the thing for me that I really gave me the well, the, the hopes Phantam Menace sucks. As a title. Going, I I agree with that, but we've all we've all come to terms with that to a certain <laughs> extent. But for me, it was the moment. Um, I really loved the teaser poster yes. they first put out, which has the Anakin, Anakin with the, the Vader silhouette. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of subtle. That's kind of cool. I like that idea. Like, that seems cool. Let's go with that. What's that going to be about? That That is not in the movie. That's not even really addressed. The final bit of subtlety. This this movie is sure to be a nuance. Where, where, yeah. Is, yeah, where is this kid? Where's the darkness in this kid at all? He's angry. He misses his mom. Well, he does say you pee a lot, which really just gets... <laughs> gets to the bottom of your soul and scrapes it out yeah <laughs> before before we we talk about the the excellent excellent opening plot, statements yes. concluded <laughs> thank goodness we got that out of the way uh i wanted bef- I, I i wanted to talk about anticipation for a minute just to explore this with everybody um this movie was so incredibly hyped um i mean to the point where i remember very distinctly the 60 minutes interview with with george lucas i don't remember if you i don't know if you guys remember that but 
that where where Steve Croft or somebody like breathlessly followed him around on the set in in Tunisia and, and things like that. And I mean, literally, people were saying this is going to be one of the greatest movies ever. Oh my god, Star Wars is back, and now they've got all this new technology, and it's going to be so great. Oh my god, it's going to be so amazing, like amazing, amazing. Like I remember articles saying it's going to be up for best picture. I kid you not. So, so I'm curious what you, what you guys all have in terms of your memory of uh, anticipating this movie. Maybe it was jinxed. I, I can tell you, I mean, I remember reading about it. I was in Rochester, which is where my, my mom's family lives for like Christmas or something. And I remember buying a copy of the, like there was a Star Wars magazine, like a fan magazine or something at like a science fiction bookshop. And I remember opening it up and reading the casting information because I remember seeing Natalie Portman was casted. I didn't really know who she was at that point because that was what, like 1997 probably? Oh, Dan. So young. He was 12 years old. I was 17. Thank you very much. Dan, can you, can you imagine life before you know who Natalie Portman was? <laughs> She'd been in The Professional. Well, I hadn't seen the professional because I was only seven. No, that is that is a frightening time. You know, for there me. are kids born today that don't that they'll never know a world without Natalie Portman. And I it say that's isn't that weird. I mean, that's awesome. I kind of envy them. Um, but I remember reading about it and thinking, like, oh, you know, I, I the thing for me that resonated the most was talking to one of my cousins who's who's a bit older than me, and her, her story of remembering she thought she was going to die before Return of the Jedi came out. She's like, Because she was like a teenager when, when Empire came out. And she was like, oh my god, Han Solo stuck in Carbonite and what's going to happen and everything. And, like, and I just remember thinking like, I, you know, I will never see a Star Wars movie that comes out again in my lifetime because it's done. It's over. You know, the best I could hope for was reading those Timothy Zahn books and the, the books that came after them. And believe me, I read all of them. Um, and so the idea that there would be new movies in my lifetime, I mean... I had seen the re-releases, and at that time, because, you know, 97 was around the time that they re-released the original trilogy with the, the special editions, and at that time, being a untutored, unwise 17-year-old, I thought, this is pretty cool. Some of these effects are kind of cool. Um, and so I still had that hope, and I think I, you know, I managed to maintain it and and ride that wave right up until about... Actually, you know what? It went through the first showing, I got to admit, because my story about this is that I went to a midnight showing with a bunch of friends, Um and we then went out afterwards at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and spent an hour talking about mm. the movie and dissecting it. And then slept for like two hours and then got up and then went back to the movie theater and saw it again. And it must have taken at least, you know, I don't know, a week or two before it's really started to set in. Because like you kind of had the suspicions after watching it like, huh, yeah. Yeah, maybe that wasn't so good, but there was a sort of Stockholm syndrome that kicked in. It was like, no, it's Star Wars. It's got to be good. We're probably just understanding it wrong. You'd already talked yourself into liking all those books. I, I like some of those books. Aww. Mm-hmm. You're, you're fundamentally broken in some way, so why not just transfer that to the movie? Thanks. I remember I didn't see it until the Monday after it came out, and by that point, every person I work with or know had seen it at least once, and most of them two or three times. You couldn't help but- it. The wave of excitement just pushed everybody into it. Yeah, I, I see it as like a, con- a continuous a continuous wait from the end of Jedi. Like, I, I, I picture that as like, there's a little part of my brain that is waiting online. Like, gets out of Jedi and goes, boy, I, you know, and then says, okay, well, you sit here and get in line. And then... And then how many years later was it? I don't know. It was a lot of years later. Like the same with the re-release of, you know, uh, the original trilogy into theaters, even though they were the special editions and everything like that. Uh, I was online to to be first in line to watch those. 
Like that's you know that that excitement that that marketing campaign of re-releasing the originals with the special edition, despite like the new effects, which I didn't like. I was really anti the new effects after I saw them and everything. But it didn't matter. I could see Star Wars in a movie theater again, and, and the last time I had done that was you know was Jedi, and so it was just this incredible multi-year long wait. Like this is what my life had been leading up to. It was like you're you're a kid, you see Star Wars, and then you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, and eventually finally this thing comes. And when I when I put this damn movie in and watched it and like the, uh, the fanfare came up and the scroll and everything I had, it was like, it was like seeing movies of a car accident after being in a car accident. I had that <gasps> right. Like, like that feeling, because I knew how you have no idea how excited I was. And it all came back to me. It was like PTSD is like, I was, I was the most amped up I've ever been in a movie theater, more amped up than I was when I saw the original trilogy, because then, you know, you're a kid, you're like, Oh, what do you know? Maybe the beginning of Jedi, I was a little bit close to this craze, but I was like, this is it. Like I've been waiting years. my whole life for this thing. And yeah. And it's just, I, I like, it brought me back to that moment. Like that moment when the, the car hits you, you know, you're like, <gasps> no, don't you know what's going to, it, it, I didn't. And the thing is, I didn't think it would affect me in that way. Like re-seeing the movie, like I thought I had moved on and been past it or whatever, but now it's like, because the, you know, that fanfare and that, and that Lucasfilm thing, like I've seen the original trilogy <laughs> a, a million times on, you know, on, on DVD and everything doesn't have the same effect like it's just that, that this was oh don't you remember that time and i believe i i got to, to get tickets i was i was up all night and slept outside for it like it was it was a big thing and this that i would hope that in my life this will be the biggest letdown i've ever had in my entire life was star wars episode one if wait till your children grow up uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's, that's a, that's a good a good possibility but for now i'm gonna have to, especially oh, like in, in t- i'm speaking for my parents uh-huh. in terms of like art you know what art has what what thing having to do with entertainment and art has disappointed you most in life i feel like this is going to be the champion forever post prequel disappointment disorder is the name of what you're feeling Aww. john yeah, it's episode one was such a weird thing for me because I was I was young enough that I must have seen it at least seven or eight times in theaters before I actually stepped back and went, wait a second. <laughs> and I will also say that seven or eight times was within the first weekend. Like mm-hmm. it was, you That's know, a lot you're of talking pod about racing a, laps. It's a lot of pod <laughs> racing laps. Oh my god! Now no, that I, is I pod look- racing. <laughs> oh <laughs> no! It's funny though because the first, you know, the earliest thing that I can remember talking to people about on the internet was Star Wars. You know, the first BBS posts I ever made and the first pen pal letters I sent over like AOL were about the Star Wars films and. Having them get re-released originally, the original films get re-released in theaters in 97 was a dream come true for me and my best friend Leah because we were complete nuts. Like we were taking cardboard uh, boxes and building X-wings out of them because we were such like crazy, crazy Star Wars nuts. So for for me to kind of be like, not all, all right, so the original films didn't come out during my lifetime, but they're going to be new Star Wars movies, and these are going to be my Star Wars <laughs> movies, and they're going to be so great. Uh, and, you know, so I, like, yeah. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> I was in middle school. I know. It's embarrassing. I was in middle school, and I did not go to the midnight showing for this one because I think I was, like, 12 or 13. Um, but I did my, my father got me out of school for the very first daytime showing 
he bought me a lightsaber, like a new fancy lightsaber that had noises. And we went to the theater and I like waited in a super long line. And, you know, you just you get so hyped up and you get so excited. And you're like, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. And then you sit and you watch it and you're sad trombone <laughs> yeah well it's it, it's weird it's kind of a shock right like well, and you're seeing this, it's this got is the music good, and I it's guess. got tatooine and it's got ships that are familiar and it's got jedi and it's a lightsaber battle for the first time in how long and all of the trappings you're like wow it is it's star wars it's got all the stuff that star wars has in it and 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 so the, you know and and we'd never seen more of that. I mean, there, there's that just moment of I can't believe I'm watching a new Star Wars movie. That 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 was a powerful moment. Even if in hindsight, like Dan said, you you were like, huh, taxation, trade disputes, you know, all the other litany of things. It was like, but there was still like lightsaber battles and Sith lords and Jedi. Yeah, and, there there wow. was enough. There was enough feeding that part of you that you could stay amped for a little while just on the residual buzz from it until your until your conscious intellectual brain starts taking over again. How long did that take, incidentally? It took me the first weekend because I was I was convinced that I had to watch it again. Like I'm I'm like, I must have missed something. I must be too young for some of these references. Yeah, I didn't get it right. It's me. No, you totally you blame it. You're like, it's me, not you. What's going on? It's 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 Star Wars made by ironically somebody who doesn't understand what's good about it Star is. Wars. <laughs> it is. You're absolutely you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things I wanted to yeah. talk about, um, and it came up on Twitter when we were all watching this. <laughs> so many of us watched this on Sunday, and we're we're tweeting because you got to let the pain out somewhere. So use Twitter for that. And um, somebody uh, made the point about. Um, you know, it's a movie for kids, and kids like it, and just like the originals were for kids, and now we're all adults, and we have hazy, watercolored. But, but, but what do we know about kids, Jason? Well, kids have bad taste. <laughs> They're all idiots. You got it. <laughs> but here's the thing: is good kids movies are appreciated also by adults. And when I look at these movies, I, and I think about George Lucas saying, "Hey, the kids love them. I made them for kids." I look at it and I think you missed the point of why the old movies worked because they weren't pandering to kids. Kids loved them, but so did their parents, and so did twenty-year-olds. They how whatever he says, they weren't kids movies. They were aimed at adults, and they had elements that kids enjoyed but they were not four kids there were not six the poop second jokes. movie is definitely not a kids movie yeah, yeah there's no. a difference between kids movies and being sophomoric i mean they had they had mm-hmm. a, a they had a childlike level of sophistication <laughs> children's material is more sophisticated than this movie like like if you want to put, look at this in, in the moving pieces in this movie and i was shocked by this rewatching it like i went into it thinking surely there'll be some aspects of this movie that are competently done like, they won't be parts that matter, and it won't save the movie, but surely I'll go in and say, you know what, that part of the movie was reasonable filmmaking, but there's just that nothing. Was like, just basic, like, I mean, maybe we'll go into this in more detail when we get to a certain section, but, like, it just, execution-wise, Sesame Street is better. Any children's program made, things for infants are better. In terms of execution, not saying, like, material, like it's, you know, only babies can look at this, but it's like, there's a certain level of execution that you bring to whatever it is that you're doing, no matter what the script is, no matter what anything is, you know, just simply execute and do a good job on what you're doing. And this, Well, okay, let's talk uh, about that, though. The sound of the movie. The score is excellent. The sound effects are excellent. Okay, before we before we get into the uh, Oscars that are awarded like before the Oscar <laughs> show starts, 
I haven't seen this movie in 14 years, and I was astonished at how bad the writing and acting were across oh, the absolutely. board. Absolutely. Don't forget, oh, don't forget no, the directing. The, the problem with this movie is that it is a movie with no soul. It is a music. It is a movie that has some beautiful music, some beautiful sound effects, some beautiful visual yes. effects. But ultimately, the failure is on the writer and the director. Both Who of are whom the happen same to person. be yeah, both they happen to be George Lucas. But it's so obvious, especially if you watch the prequels hand in hand with the original trilogy. You look at the banter between characters. You look at the fleshed, you know, the the backgrounds of characters. Even just their tone of voice. There is all, yes. hardly a line in this movie that's not delivered in a flat monotone. Yeah, I, I was thinking back to our radio play episode when I was watching this and I'm What's like that? <laughs> <laughs> Ren would not let us get away with line readings like this, and we are not actors, yeah. and we have a budget of zero dollars. And yet, I was thinking particularly of the many the many places in the script where I imagine there's an M dash after someone's dialogue, and another person interrupts them. And there were a couple yes. of those in our radio play <laughs> yeah. script. Where they, and they it's, stop. Not, it's not they rocket stop. science. Oh, stop. It's yeah. hilarious. Is it, is it rocket science to do those right? Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think you need no. to be. An... <laughs> well, there's two possibilities: either Lucas didn't care, or he thought the readings were just dandy. <laughs> And my best yeah. guess is that he just he doesn't know how people actually talk. And, and sometimes they're good. And sometimes they're good around. actors. Like Natalie Portman has lines, and you know she's a good actor, but she does a reading where she's just like she just came out of her trailer and she just woke up or something from a nap, and she reads a line and it's terrible, and that's the one they go with. I actually think it's worse than that, John. My so so I watched this with my kids, and 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 they had some interesting observations as I always do. You know, Darth Vader's office is really weird. <laughs> I've got some of those. They're they're gems. They're gems. Just wait. But um, my wife came in she was doing something and she walks in she's like oh <laughs> this huh <laughs> yeah and, and but she had an observation because it was uh, some scenes with natalie portman and she said it seems to me because knowing that she's a good actress it seems to me like she was told to be flat that she was actually instructed yes don't yeah. emote be boring and it's baffling why you would do that other than to maybe get get closer to the the, the flatness of the, the little boy you're acting against because otherwise you'll blow him out of the water but it's amazing well in a sense though you got to be glad that she did go that route because that is her one and only character trait if you were to ask what what do you know about queen amidala that's the one thing you would say uh she's monotone She's not always monotone, though. She's more monotone as the queen yes. than she is as the handmaiden. Which That's because she's choice. a Vulcan, clearly. Well, yeah, they're they modulate her voice. You talk about the characters. Even if you just went with the words on the page, if Natalie Portman was able to give it, you know, a good reading and and show some feeling, even with nothing else, you would get the sense that there might be a human being there, but. Even that is not there. Like, it's not just that the dialogue doesn't let you know anything about who she is. It's that anything that a, a human might insert to make it seem more like a an extra dimension is bled away. And it's just, no, 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 just read it flat. Just be as dull and flat as possible. Because you're not an interesting character. You're not the parent of characters that people care about or anything down the road. You're not, no, 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 be boring. And it's everybody. It's just as Natalie Portman. It's everybody. Yeah, we've seen her act, so it's weird. The interesting thing that I noticed while rewatching this movie the latest time, and I was looking for it this time, um, everybody there's a there's a thing in directing, right? Where when you're starting out as a director, the one thing that you are told is try and avoid giving your actors line readings when you can. Obviously, sometimes it needs to happen, but for the majority of the time, 
you shouldn't give your actors line readings. You should let them try and find it and then tweak individual words, individual sentences, whatever needs tweaking. When you watch this movie, picture it all in George Lucas's voice and all of a sudden everything (laughs) makes complete sense in terms of the directing choices. Basically what happened, at least from my perspective, is that – Every single actor was given repeated line readings. Jake Lloyd, a lot of his dialogue is dubbed. Like, I mean, it's still the it's still him, but they basically went and did an ADR session and had had him basically they just dropped in pieces of lines over the footage that they had already done. And a lot of this is just poor, unfortunately, poor directing on Lucas's part. It's not even like there is there is a smidgen of good actor in Jake Lloyd. I am not afraid to say that. Mm. Uh, but he the way he was directed on this set is pitiful. The way that all of the actors were directed on this set is completely horrifying. They make Liam Neeson into a completely boring character. Yeah, he's your stock stock wise. You know, oh, he's so wise. He's a wise figure. Oh, I disagree. I've I've projected a whole backstory and inner life for Qui Gon. In my attempt to make this movie make sense, but should, should you have had Were to do all of that work? Heavily? Isn't, it, isn't it kind of up to the filmmaker to do the heavy lifting on that for you instead of sure, making you do? Sure, if you want to do, if you want it easy on you, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm just too lazy. That's why I viewed him as being kind of that stock mentor figure. Is that then I had a backstory that I could take off the shelf for him? Well, you you said it before. Like, why does Qui Gon exist? Why is he a character in this movie? It sure as heck isn't because he's so incredibly interesting that he just has a story that no, had to be told and a character so that he can had be, to be murdered. <laughs> I propose that the entire movie is about the relationship between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, and Anakin is exactly as important as Jar Jar. Well, that may be true, but that's still mis-executed. Like <laughs> yeah, I know. Their relationship oh, is not good that. either. Obi-Wan is, sits, sits in the ship. Obi-Wan needs to be the center of these trilogies, and he is not. Absolutely, if, because he, the, the problem is, I mean, yes, you can make a movie with a character, with a protagonist who is unlikable and essentially, you know, eventually evil. You can do that. I don't know if you can make this kind of Star Wars epic adventure doing that because I think that is that strikes me as divergent. But if you have a character like Obi-Wan who is, for most intents and purposes, a good character, if flawed, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a flaw. I think the problem is you're asked eventually to identify with a guy who goes and, like, murders children, right? Like, that's going to be a hard sell, especially for a Star Wars movie, which is supposed to be kind of an adventure movie, right? So I think that's part of the miss on this is that, you know, we are looking through the, lo- the wrong lens. And it doesn't even make sense for us to look through the lens of Anakin because we don't see him for the first half hour of this movie. We're not even looking through the ends. Right. Well, that's, I think the Plinkett reviews really hit the nail on the head with this one in that there really is no protagonist in this film. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, 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 ostensibly the character who should be the protagonist is Obi-Wan, but he's relegated to the background for the first half. Uh, Anakin doesn't even exist until the yeah, half, halfway o- Obi-Wan doesn't get tapped until it's time for him to fight with lightsabers yeah. at the end. The rest of the movie, he might as well yeah, not he's be He's on there. the ship. And even then, he's sitting out like a He sad sits on sack. the ship. He's like got his feet up and is watching <laughs> TV on the ship. Yeah, and and like the few scenes he does has, he's he's such an unlikable jerk. In the few scenes he does has, oh, what did we pick up another pathetic life for me? That just, got me. I funny. could not jerk. believe. I did not remember how much the the Jedi's are. Oh, dicks. they're total jerks. Oh, total so much. Jerks. 
I mean, they got like the whole thing with I, okay. Jar Jar Binks is an awful character. We can all agree that, but man, Qui Gon treats him treats him like a piece of crap. <laughs> like Qui Gon cheats at everything. Oh my god! Like it's just it's these are our moral guardians. No wonder the Republic fell into disarray. <laughs> and then he steals a child from his mother. Yeah, he, he doesn't make too much of an effort to save the mother. He's like, man, I can't I, get that. I'm one, not whatever. here to uh, rescue slaves. He actually cheats to make sure he doesn't save her. Yeah, we're not we're not here to free slaves. Oh, just this one just this one and and then he tells the mom i'll watch out for him and the first thing he does is take him into an invasion (laughs) (laughs) stand over there that there is absolutely no reason for him to be at he also tells anakin i tried to save your mom and it's like yeah Yeah. not very hard though like i kind of tried not really you can make that work if you decide like oh we're gonna show the jedis are arrogant and out of touch but that was so not communicated they're just offhandedly jerks that's an example you have to like invent yourself. You can say, "Well, he could be saying the Jedi were decadent and arrogant or whatever," but like it's so not delivered in the movie. Like you were then manufacturing your own movie. It was just, it's just, it's just a mis- a misfire that you're looking for some reason for. Like maybe that's what they were getting at, but no, it's just, it's just oh. lazy and bad. Oh, I don't think this is what they were getting at, but I have developed my own thesis <laughs> on like, what the movie could be about. I have no illusion that it's on purpose. Yeah. Oh no, you're you're right. You're you're right. I, this is a movie that makes us dream. It's a movie that makes us dream and imagine a better movie. <laughs> I have some uh, some particular speaking of line readings. I have a couple of particular lines because, like, we're talking about you know bad readings of dialogue. But then, if you look at what's actually on the page, there are some <laughs> some spectacular things in here. Like, uh, they should use this this script in script writing courses to explain like oh, what, what not, not to, do. to do to illustrate principles. Like, uh, all right, so we, a couple lines. I wrote line the lines down verbatim because I just could not believe these these are in a movie. Uh, early on, Obi-Wan says, if they find us, they will crush us into tiny pieces and blast us into oblivion. I think a five-year-old could write a better line than that. Also, it's badly rhythm. You know, the the rhythm of that sentence is awful. The fact is, you can't say that. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just terrible. You know, who you got used to in Big Doodoo this time, whatever. Let's just skip those. Let's say, fine, give, we'll give Jar Jar an entire pass and just look at other things. Like, we should not have made this bargain. Text and subtext? Nope, it's all text in this movie. It is all yeah. text. There is no subtext. People just say things that they're feeling, you know. I do not agree with the Jedi on this. You must trust my judgment. That's it. That's what you got here. It's like, it, they are writing, they are writing character motivations out loud. That's all, well, that's all I they're doing, approve. you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's also there's also no pretty much no humor in this movie. Definitely no well executed humor. There, there but are very a couple little, of glimmers. Very of very little attempted, do. at least dialogue humor. Yeah, there's attempt at physical there's, comedy. There's attempts at physical jar-jar. comedy and slapstick. My parts are showing. Oh, but dear. like, <laughs> there's very little in the way of wordplay or any sort of banter. As Ren was saying, like, there's not much attempted in that. I mean, like, the closest thing I can think of is there's always a bigger fish, which no. in and of itself is really a terrible. Actually, actually, the line. I, I, another pathetic creature line from Obi Wan, I think, is about the the funniest thing. In yeah, but the but movie. that reveals him as to be a jerk. Yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't work, but you're looking at oh, that little like, slave boy we just rec- you know rescued. What a pathetic creature! <laughs> rescued slash stole. Uh, why? I think the pod race announcers are supposed yeah. to be funny. Oh yes. god! Oh jeez! Yeah, maybe. To... I mean, they hired great groups. groups. That's right. Right. I mean, because what we needed was a sports announcer in Star Wars. True. Greg Proops is Zaphod Beeblebrox in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> but you don't need funny dialogue when you've got the Stooge bots and uh, yeah. Jar Jar. And, and so no humans in this movie talk like humans, obviously. Like, they just, they just speak out character motivations and, like, like, bullet points. If you were to do an outline. At last, we will have our revenge. For what? <laughs> yeah, that's my least favorite line. What is it? Revenge for what? For, yeah. They made him wear that face paint. Jedi are being jerks, (laughs) and now we can 
be jerks instead. I kind of want to root for the Sith now. <laughs> Jedi, Jedi need to get tossed, man. They are a little bit jerky. The one I, the line I hate the most is actually Anakin's. Are you an angel? Oh my god! Oh my god. Like that was foreshadowing of, of the next. Seriously, love if I'd known I could pick up Natalie Portman with that line, <laughs> the the line that that struck out to me, and and it is a Jar Jar line, and I apologize because that's a real low bar, but it's "Excuse me." Oh, oh yeah. He's quoting yeah. Wayne's yeah, yeah. World. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, let's be clear. Wayne's World's actually a great movie, but, but, but again, yeah. yes, and he doesn't say baking powder, so it, he didn't even yeah. get the whole. <laughs> well, and to speak for the Jar Jar thing again, I know this is a low bar, but the thing for me is, even if you take away the ridiculous part of the line readings, a lot of his dialogue just doesn't make any oh. sense. It's incomprehensible. Well, see, this is this is the problem that I have with with when it comes to line readings and and bad writing but mostly the line readings, is that uh, not just the flat readings, but the fact that the, the people that are responsible for all the exposition and explaining the whole Trade Federation plot line, you can't understand a word that they say. I Those mean, they're very racist. <laughs> apart from potentially being, you know, potentially being uh, offensive to a whole lot of people, is you oh, can't Oh, good friends. is in the ball. Yeah, I, ke- I kept thinking, why didn't they subtitle these And guys? you can't understand a third of what the Gungans like, say either. Like they... They subtitled Watto, which I think is why uh, whoever it was was the Watto fan. Before I was it Ren was saying that Watto was you know the only reason because he subtitled and you get the subtitle effect at the very least. Why not subtitle the whole Trade Federation so he well, would and, be spared and, that awful yeah. accent and that terrible lip? I, yeah, it was it was hard for me to realize because I remember people talking about it at the time, like you know the the racist elements and potentially like, and I remember thinking again there was the whole Stockholm syndrome, like no, it's. Star Wars. Star Wars wouldn't be yeah. racist, right? Like, no, no. That w- and then watching it this time was just like it was so, so, so I- painful. Just because it was so, it was on unne- Like John saying, it's unnecessary. Why? Why would you do that? Because Watto got subtitles. So did so does Jabba. I, I, I had a, a couple moments where I thought with the Trade Federation, I thought you know these guys would be much more effective if they were just people, and they just yeah. spoke in regular voices. And they were, you know, bad guys. Yeah, they were not cool looking. They were not interesting. There was, you know, a lot of different bother. hats. They did, there were hats. The, the hats were not. The hats were not good looking. The name Newt Gunray is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course they did the subtitle. I mean, and, and we haven't really touched on this, but the I believe the Phantom Edit, which is the you know f- the mysterious uh, re-edit of this, does have all those scenes subtitled. They basically just dub in nonsense and then subtitle them with totally new sure. you know totally new lines of dialogue period it turns out you can fix a lot of them well yeah but way. but once you get rid of like once you get rid of their bad line readings you're still left with the bad lines which like we talk about you know the exposition radio network they are they are there's so many things in this movie it's time for the exposition droid to speak up like everyone <laughs> is just speaking exposition for no reason what he has to complete two more circuits thank you exposition yes. droid. i mean like you know let me explain the motivations of all the characters and what's happening in this interminable scene in which we will just be sitting in chairs and talking, which, as the Red Letter Media things point out, is a big theme of the prequels. People sitting still and talking about the most boring things you could ever possibly imagine while the camera, also stationary, shoots yes. them one at a time. And you just want to kill yourself. Should I really uh, blast through the plot here and let you stop me along the way? Because I, I took notes, damn it. <laughs> this is going to be three I know, hours I know, I know. I'll 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 try to be quick, but uh, but I want to give everybody a, a chance to to jump in with sp- specifics because I know otherwise we're going to jump around even more and we're going to miss some stuff. And we we can't leave a stone unturned. We need to smash everything down and and and, and make it. <laughs> it's all, all stone, Jason. Crush it to oblivion. 
Well, the only thing that can be left is gray ash to use the theme of the previous episode. All right. So, so we talked, we talked about the opening credits, which involve taxation and trade routes, and which shipping. is exactly the kind of uh, reuniting with the feelings that I had in childhood <laughs> that I expected. Also, trade routes makes no sense because everybody goes space. through hyperspace. Don't overthink it. Okay. Well, is the Kessel Run a trade route? How is the Trade Federation a member of the Republic? And why is there a senator from the Trade Federation? Yeah, that makes no sense to me. Right? Also, I am amused that there's a Federation in this, because is that a shot across the bow at Star Trek? <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah, they're invading that planet. It's a, it's a violation of the Prime Directive. Prime Directive. What is wrong with them? Uh, the back a- bad accents and puppet heads, like I said, I think is a mistake. Totally unnecessary. Um, and then, uh, so the droids. Okay, so there are these droids. They are... It, this is another issue that I had is that they are these dumb. They're dumb. They're jokers. They're 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 a they're a joke. Like we in in they're they're and they've got guns and they're like the army, but they're just a joke. That they, they are never something that you could take seriously. Right. Which is I, I think one of the kind of uh, kiddie movie tropes of of this movie is that is that. Uh, oh, the kids love them, and my kids thought they were funny because they're en- enemies. They're enemies and that, that are goofy and not threatening. Right, but they're not at all threatening. They're not competent, and and actually they're, they're apparently the not networked because they have to talk amongst themselves to discuss tactics. But they are. Yeah, they are networked to the control ship. <laughs> yeah. Also, my Mac has a better voice synthesizer. <laughs> why would you have this? If you know, why have an army entirely peopled out of robots that you can control a hundred percent if they're incompetent and to have senses of humor? Like, there's no logic to that. There's a scene where the Trade Federation guys radio down to the planet to talk to their leaders and i'm thinking okay they're talking to the leaders and it's these stupid droids who are the leaders apparently like they they're the soldiers and they're the leaders and and i thought again you know if you put a few like trade federation generals or something down on the planet who are menacing you could almost get away with the droids being goofy but when when the droids are in charge too it's like who are these oh, that's all right the they had no one to fight because that planet was empty yeah, yes. There was nobody on the planet. Everybody was hiding under a table. I was yeah. bothered by how long it takes the droids to make up their minds about anything. When Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan bust out of the fog-filled room, the robots yeah. just stand there with laser guns waiting to get what? killed. And then there's that scene later on where the robot actually specifically takes time to make up his mind. He goes, uh, well, I, uh... You're under arrest. No, that's he's he's using his smart ass algorithm there. There's like yeah, a, that was that was a comedy. That was an attempt at comedy. I know it's hard to quote, tell, but that's, quote, what, that's unquote, what they were going for there. Those are the right. jokes, and it's actually even more of a contrast because there are those battle droids that roll around and shoot things and have they're, shields they're kind that of are scary. scary. Those are yeah, they're scary. like scary and, and capable, and uh, and yet they're mixed in with these ridiculous comic relief yeah why not have an army of those yeah. droids. They, they 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 went down the wrong tech tree and they ended up with millions of these stupid other droids <laughs> what are we gonna do with pursue the... somebody bought somebody a lunch so they went with the wrong vendor um the the there is some i hesitate to say this it's hard to even form the words there is some cool stuff in the first five minutes with the jedi you know like they've got their lightsabers out no. they're like Bouncing. I see. I mm. like some of that stuff. Well, like, that's the problem. I mean, the lightsabers come out instantly. John's talked about this before. Lightsabers used to be something exotic and cool and mysterious, and here they're just waving it around like exhibitionists. It's like it's like Jaws. I don't know if I made the exact same analogy before, but it's like the shark in Jaws. Uh, they were originally lightsabers were not all over the place for technical reasons. The same reason you didn't see the shark in Jaws because for technical reasons, a stupid shark wouldn't work, so you had to not show it. And that turned out to be the correct, the better artistic choice. Here now we don't have the problem. The shark works all the time. Lightsabers yeah. can be everywhere, and it, it's the movie's worse for it. And I did have this point when watching it was the like 
the thing that got me was there's a part where they're you know they're they're using lightsabers whatever and then i think obi-wan reaches over and like you know waves his hand and the droids fall down it's like if you can do that why would you even pull out the lightsaber just start throwing droids around like you're done these guys are clearly not not able to hold up to that they treat the lightsabers like a light show too they swing them around. You know, they don't just put it away. They don't just turn it off. They've got to spin it three times and then put it back on the belt. They're, yeah, they're, they're samurai. It. They're this samurai. is, again, why the Jedi had to fall, because they were corrupt and <laughs> jerks <laughs> and a hot dog. Too, too many fancy lightsabers. Uh, lightsaber and they moves. had really fabulous flair. They didn't know flair. what they had. No, not until it was gone. And then, and then we see, because we all grew up with the original movies thinking that they were a scarce resource. It turns out that when there were lots of Jedi and lots of lightsabers, not so cool. They're kind of lame. Expendable. It, it's better... Just a little Jedi goes a long way. Is what the I'm the fact of there being so many Jedi's kind of leads to something that comes up a little bit later in the film. But when they mentioned that uh, Anakin could potentially be the the prophecy that that was supposed to bring balance, balance. to the Force, yeah, guys, did nobody notice up. that the Jedi are thriving and the Sith have long since disappeared? So <laughs> the only possible meaning of balance, restoring balance, means the resurgence of the dark side. That, that, that brings up another point here of like the the whole idea of a prophecy does not seem Star Wars to me. Oh, yeah, that's dumb. That's dumb in itself. You're right. Like that whole concept that there is there is yeah, a chosen agreed. one, that there is a prophecy that 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 does not because Luke was not the chosen one. There's no prophecy about Luke's who's proves prophesizing what like well, that does and, not and the fit. prophecy doesn't make sense either because even if he ultimately brings balance to the Force by killing you know the Emperor, there's still you know one good Jedi left, so it's going to yeah, get all out uh, of whack yeah, again. The, the, the whole idea of balance is like it's like the television thing with like equal time, you know, because of the airwaves are public. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. It's it's nonsensical, and prophecies don't belong in Star Wars. Equal so, time for Sith and Jedi political <laughs> right. ads, Okay, like, that, that's the appropriate balance. We want half murder and half not murder. That is the appropriate <laughs> so, balance. So. so Episode one is the Republican response, is what you're saying. And they went they went scientific. I mean, they tried to explain away the oh. force with midichlorians, you know, microscopic animals that live in our blood. But then they go right back to they help us the hear the force, which is supernatural. Why? Why? Also, can I say why the virgin birth thing? That's <laughs> so so it makes so at a certain sense. point, you just like so yeah. well because he couldn't come up with anybody that would be interesting enough to have as the father. Like yeah, that's not, not as interesting as the characters that are in. There I know, now. but now now the force is 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 full of Christians symbolism isn't that strange you people at home getting all this we already know that george lucas is obsessed with joseph campbell's mythic story structure of course he's gonna put a virgin birth in if he can but like but they don't even bother doing it they have there is literally one line for the for the quote-unquote virgin birth you can have an absentee father but it turns out that like it wasn't a disney movie until recently yeah. Like he was just that he was just a guy who like you know oh yeah he left us you know like that would make more sense like that no but that's the only way you could read it as an adult if some other person told you that you'd say this woman is in denial because some man knocked her up and left that's, I mean that's what you would you would oh, abso- like, oh. absolutely but it doesn't it doesn't or or, it doesn't or, or simply enough he could just have been a slave that was killed as part of you know sure. a, a, a poor master and then that would explain some of Anakin's hatred for you know the slaves no but that life. wouldn't explain why he's so special which frankly doesn't seem that bad in its Tatooine state yeah he's pretty happy to be a slave in the beginning it's only when he comes back as a moody teen he's like you know what slavery sucks. He's a slave. He has plenty of free time. He has his own house. He has time to build a robot with artificial intelligence that speaks every right. language and the coolest pod racer in the world. He has enough money to get the parts to make that robot. Yeah, and he has like three different plastic highlight sticks hanging in his room. I can't like the props in this movie were just they just went to Walmart and got them. It's safe to say that Anakin and his mom are not, you know, showing off the darkest side of slavery. <laughs> Building a pod racer is like having your own Formula One racer. 
for for a slave boy, he has awfully silky hair. And his mother doesn't do anything as a slave. She just stays home and keeps house for him. <laughs> well, she does. She does. Later in the movie, she gets to have lines that do not look like uh, bullet points. Suddenly, she becomes a fortune cookie late in the movie. And when she goes into her, her for, fortune cookie line reading, where like she says, "You have given hope to those who have none. The path, this path, has been placed before you." You know, and we can't stop it anymore that we can stop the setting of the sun. It's like, Mom, when did you become a fortune cookie? Because these no, my, are the worst. I'm sorry. The <sighs> best one that she delivers to my mind is still the, he was meant to help you. <laughs> like, because if you if you watch that in context of the scene, it doesn't actually make any sense. <laughs> like, it's like she's trying to get rid of him at that point. Like, yeah, yeah, he's here to help you. Yeah, he was meant to help you. You should take him away. Yeah, you can have my son. Strangers who have come into my house, please take take my son and, and risk his life. And it's just, it comes out, no. it comes out of nowhere. Well, she's trying to get him out of his horrible life of slavery, which involves him having lots of time for hobbies. And... No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there are so many moving parts in this movie. Like to have a movie with this many actual characters in it is very difficult to do. Like you can't. There's not enough time in a two-hour running time movie to have this many characters and make them that interesting. So you kind of have to like go usual suspects and have a couple of interesting character traits and a few good interactions and use your one or two lines sparingly to make an ensemble cast type thing. But that is a way higher degree of difficulty than, I mean, this guy couldn't shoot a serial commercial or write a serial commercial for that matter competently. There's no way you can have all these characters and have all, all of them be characters, and they're not. Honeycomb's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not small. No, no, no. That's, that's too much Too much emoting. That's too much emoting. Yeah. yeah. See? I, I rest my case. Yeah, faster and more intense. It, it's either monotone or really jar jarry and over the top. Honeycomb is big. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not small. Too much. No. Flatten it out. You sound too sad. Too sad. Too sad. So I asked my son about Jar Jar, my eight-year-old son. Because, <laughs> you know, this is that argument again. We all hate Jar Jar. Oh, Jar Jar is so bad. Let me tell you, having watched this movie, <laughs> I was going to say Jar Jar is not the worst thing. Jar Jar is Jar Jar is far from the worst thing in this movie. Far, yeah. far from the worst thing in this movie. And that says something because he's really not that good. Um, <laughs> but I asked my son about Jar Jar, and, and this is what he said. He said, and I quote, he's funny. Instead of excuse me, he says excuse me. Nailed it. Uh. Yeah. Boom. He's funny. He falls down. He's a wacky guy. Well, well, well you can and if see you kept that, though, like, maybe 15 years later, they would have laughed at the Stephanie Tanner reference that he keeps making. How wooed. How wooed. At least three separate times. How wooed. How, how do you know Full House so well, Steve? <laughs> he lives. Uh, <laughs> moving <mind>. along. <laughs> I do like that Jar Jar is at least set up as being annoying to even the Gungans. I appreciate that they threw him out and exiled him just because yes. he was so clumsy. That's and the kind of thing you want to put in your movie. But he gets so, he gets so much screen time. Jar Jar, though. you're the laziest man on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the we go to the Gungan city, and I wanted to mention this too because um, something struck me while I was watching it. Somebody threw a brick at my head. It literally struck me. And no, um, in the original movies. The places we go are real places with fictional bits added on. And um, this was an example of a place that's just completely made up. It's just, it, there's an absence of place. It is a CGI world. Everybody's in front of a green screen. Half the actors are not actually people. They're CGI characters. And it bothered me. I, I think that that's actually one of the ways in which this movie fails uh, compared to as technically brilliant as it is, is is like the scenes and uh, later on in the and that are 
Italy <laughs> uh, are, are more effective in that way. But but this was an example like of more money than sense where the Gungan City just, you know, I know it's supposed to be spectacular or something, but yeah, it was not. I just found it depressing because it was completely uh, just invented stuff. And it was there's no there. And, and there. So yeah, just, just there because nothing you, there. Just because you can. Yeah, I, I, I was shocked at how bad the green screen things looked in this movie because I was thinking there was another thing going in. I was thinking, well, at least I'll get to look at the effects because the effects are going to be really good. But Jar Jar Ooh, did not age well. And, effects are really yeah, terrible. They, they did well, not look good. And the thing about the thing about the Gungan City in particular, my note when I saw that is not just that it's a green screen and there's nothing there, but that like what they replaced the green screen with looks like an empty soundstage. It's like you could yes. have made anything. You, you don't have to make it look like an empty soundstage. There is literally a green screen there. You could make something that looks interesting, lived in like an actual city, and instead what they filled in the green screen with was something that looks like an empty soundstage with bad props on it. Here's the thing about that is that, I mean, we have seen computer-generated scenery that, that works for movies. I mean, because if you look at... Any of the Pixar movies, for example, that's all fake. I mean, it's all or, made, look at right? look at the pod race for crying out loud. Yeah. They're not in a real desert there. Those are mostly computer generated everything there, and right, that right. at least it's, looks like a desert. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's it's too everything's too smooth and clean and doesn't quite and empty. Work. There's nothing there. Like Naboo is a giant putting green. Same problem. More than that, I think you know, and part of it is the the consciousness of the effects failing, but some of it is also just the. It's sort of an uncanny valley effect of it's not real, right? Like you've hit that point where like, yeah, the, technically there is a lot of stuff that's very good. But at the same time, there's something missing that makes this inherently not. There's no soul to it, like we're saying. It doesn't look like a place. The whole the whole conception of the Gungans is wrong. The, yeah, the I, fact that, that they have a land-based army, but they live underwater. <laughs> they're considered primitives, but they have a force field. They live underwater in the air. In the air. In a bubble. The, yeah. The, the, you couldn't. I mean, the Jawas. You see very little of them, but they feel like real creatures. The Tusken Raiders, you see hardly anything of them. But I could see how I can extrapolate back. I can see they seem real. They are there. That's another thing that le- unique or the, that uh, legitimately made me laugh. Yeah, the Tusken yeah, Raiders the camped the out of the Raiders corner. Take pot shots <laughs> yeah, that, that is the probably the funny. I noted that is the funniest point in this entire movie because a it doesn't involve dialogue and b that that's what they would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Exactly. Well, and, then, and then shortly after that is what I think is the best cameo slash bit of fan service where the pod racers zoom past the Jawa and he screams, "Oh, Titi!" Yeah. One thing I do like about Naboo is it's the first time in the Star Wars universe that there are two places on a planet. Yes. Up until now, yes. everything is either all desert or all ice. It's, there's two separately evolved intelligent races on a planet. That doesn't happen. Well, so far as we know. Oh, that's what doesn't happen? Well, and, and what, you know, why do we have to go back to Tatooine, too? Like, why is this, as, as, my, as my friend Tony says, uh, why is Tatooine, it's like the busiest outer rim planet in the world. Like, everybody goes through Tatooine. Well, it's between Naboo and Coruscant. But it's supposed to be in the middle of nowhere. That's what it's he says. It's on the way to the capital, yes. even though it's along a trade route. Nowhere. It's on the I-95. It all comes down yeah. to shipping again. And again, the reason that we know <laughs> about routes. Tatooine is because because they end up there this time, and that leads to Tatooine being important. But you're right. You're right. Um, I wanted to... Let's see. We're going to hide Luke on his father's home planet. He'll never think to look there. <laughs> He'll never look at... <laughs> With his uncle. 
Julian loved. Um, At least they changed the, Leia's name. Lo- loved the thing going through the planet core with all the fish. Although I have to say again, why even call it the planet core? Because I mean, <laughs> planet cores it are not made matter out of water. That it's completely scientifically wrong. But why don't you just say that we have to go underwater for a long time? Why do you <laughs> yeah. have to say we go through the planet core because this planet is so messed up that there's water at its core? That's crazy. What kind of planet is this? Well, and then why did the invasion force land on the opposite side of the planet from where they were ultimately going to invade? And then drive. Who had the point? Did one of you have the point about the, we need Jar Jar to get where we're going? Yes, and the, then, the navigator. The yeah, and then, but then, then then they say, like, oh, don't worry. Oh, yeah, we used the force. Don't worry about it. It's cool. So why did we bring him? And then we have to knock him out. And Why doesn't uh, the containment shield around the submarine fail when the power fails? I'm so angry. <sighs> Battery backup. Why do you drive on parkways and park on drive? <laughs> but the fish fish being eaten by other fish, uh, my son loved it. Although, again, they do that joke twice. Yeah, no, there's nothing. There's no reason scene. for that for that scene where they're under the water other than, like, it would be cool if there was a big fish. Okay, well, like, what, what does this have to do with anything? That big eel thing is a very discerning eater. He, he eats only the giant fish butt yeah. and discards the head and the rest of it. Well, he'll, he'll say that later. You know, I was thinking in these giant <laughs> eating things, I was thinking, I know this is unfair, but I, I do, I can't help but do it. Like, it compare, compare these movies to, like, you know, the actual Star Wars movies, and you're like, think about what happened when we had uh, characters who invo- who had a scene with, like, a big creature that was going to eat them. Think about what was going on with, like, you know, the thing in the asteroid, Right. What what was going on in that scene? We had characters that we were invested in. We had interpersonal tension. We had plot tension because they were trying, you know, someone was trying to capture them. And you also had the creature and the mystery and the, and the fun there. There's like 900 things going on in that scene. In this scene, what's going on? Transportation of characters we don't care about from point A to point B with some <laughs> minor things that happen. Like, it, there is no, there are no layers to this movie. There is no reason for that scene to be in there. And like, anytime they do anything remotely similar to something from one of the good Star Wars movies, you're like, what? Like, it just you do not compare them in your mind because you will realize just it'll just make you hate this movie even more like there's nothing there Qui-Gon seems bored he's read the script he knows how it's going to come out as much action as there is going on screen what's going on is boring I mean it's just set piece after set piece for the first up until almost where they land on characters are bored and there's no there's no tension whatsoever because there's no there's no interpersonal tension and there's no plot tension there's nothing Right. Well, we don't we don't care if the characters die for starters, which is a small problem. But then, the even when it's set up that they might be potentially in jeopardy, you've got Qui Gon saying, "Oh, it, it won't be a problem." Well, so why am I watching? He's a strategic idiot. His his whole approach to the movie is something will turn up. Yeah, it'll all work. The force will work out. I would like to briefly, because this is a good spot for it, present my thesis for a marginally acceptable way to view this movie. All right, let's hear it. Drunk. <laughs> No, people have tried that. They just get really, really angry and start throwing things <laughs> at their televisions. Yeah. Or they cry. So it's clear that Qui-Gon really has no reason to bring Jar Jar along. He claims it's the navig- he's the navigator, but immediately Jar Jar asks, where are we going? And he just says, uh, the Force will guide us. I always thought they just felt bad because he was going to get ex- re-exiled or put in jail or something, so they just sprung him. My theory is that Qui-Gon hates having Obi-Wan as a Padawan. from the very beginning of the movie the first thing obi-wan says is i have a bad feeling about this and qui-gon basically says shut up it'll be fine that's a that's a great first line for the heroes by the way because it it really sets us up properly (laughs) here are here's our two teammates they we too have a bad feeling about this well we're all supposed to cheer right because it's a callback we all go woo 
a bad feeling about yeah. this. Oh, it's, but it's like the lightsabers. They're just dumping them onto the screen right. without any... I contend this movie would have been better if it had been made up entirely of lines from the original trilogy just <laughs> reordered <laughs> in just some abstract way. And yeah. put in the right order. I've spent many enjoyable okay. evenings which are just people sitting around saying lines from Star Wars. I don't see why we couldn't <laughs> just film that and everybody would enjoy it. <laughs> and as we just mentioned, it, you can do that well. The Tusken Raiders, Utani, we're all like, it's one second. We'll say, fine, thumbs up. Yes, I smiled. Like you, It's not like we're against that. It's not like we're against callbacks. It's just... Throw in a yub-nub. What a remarkable smell you've discovered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I've got a new project, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> so it's basically Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon complaining at each other, and then Qui-Gon taking every opportunity to try to find somebody new to be his new Padawan. <laughs> and to, and to separate himself to separate himself from, Obi-Wan, you stay in the ship. I'll go into right. town with the stupid Gungan and with you He know, grabs the Jar Jar the minute he sees him says, oh, let's bring him. Obi-Wan gets mad. He <laughs> finds this slave kid with good midichlorians. He says, ah, let's take this kid. Qui-Gon gets mad again. At the end of the movie... He wants Darth Maul to be his Padawan. <laughs> they have the big council meeting and they say... Well, nobody would take this kid as a Padawan. He says, I'll take it. I'll take him. You've already got (laughs) one. No, no, forget him. Don't need Obi-Wan. He just shoves Obi-Wan aside at that moment. He's ready. He's ready. And Obi-Wan is just crushed. And I admit, I'm just making all of this up. This is not on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) That that is when Obi-Wan decides to kill Qui-Gon and frame Darth Maul. And then at the very end of the movie, Qui-Gon dies in front of Obi-Wan's eyes, and Obi-Wan is so sad that he agrees to take his hated little brother, which is how he now views Anakin on as his Padawan. But he does a very (laughs) bad job of it. You know, if if I may suggest a reason why Qui-Gon hates Obi-Wan, I'm going to guess it's the haircut. (laughs) And then then you've got the irony at the end when when Obi-Wan gives Anakin the exact same terrible (laughs) haircut. He's just passing it down. Steve, it's the Padawan braid. It's like the last scene of The Omen in a way. Everyone must go through this at one point or another. (laughs) Yes, the haircut is just one of the trials. When you become a dad, you just emulate your own dad and you give your kids the same stupid haircuts you had to get. There's a very strange Walmart feel to all the Jedi haircuts, though. It's, I mean, you don't, you don't always see a rat tail and a rock and pony in the same <laughs> It's head. hard to cut hair with a lightsaber, let me tell you. So that's my pitch. Uh, I, let me offer another alternative theory, which is that to Monty's, because I think Monty's is very good. But my theory is that Qui-Gon has a tumor. In his brain, <laughs> and it makes <laughs> I like it. It Go makes on. him imagine Jar Jar Binks was not actually real, and Obi Wan goes along with it because he pities Qui Gon for his horrible hallucinations that he has. It's possible Obi Wan is also a hallucination. It's not really clear. Qui Gon could also be drunk the whole movie. That's another possible interpretation <laughs> because he does seem like the, the complacency about everything will work or high. Everything it will work out problem. fine. Oh. If no problem, don't worry yeah. about it. It'll be good. He we'll tries to do Jedi mind trick on Watto. It doesn't oh, work because he's drunk. I just got an image in my head of Jeff Bridges playing Qui-Gon Jinn yeah, as the dude and thought, man, that movie would have been great. Same robe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not that hard. He's got the beard, you know. This was a valued robe. They never show Qui-Gon's feet. Maybe it's sandals down there. That lightsaber really mm. held his room together. Yeah, it really held the room together. So, so that is my pitch for... A way to pretend there's a protagonist in the movie, and then it's not quite so bad. So wait, 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 wait. What? Who's the protagonist in that? Obi-Wan. It's Obi-Wan's story. It's about how okay. Obi-Wan hates his master, but then his master dies, so he makes a rash decision and takes on this kid who should not be a Jedi. Yeah. Got it. He hates got it. it. He, hates, he hates him so much 
that as the protagonist, he decides to go sulk in the spaceship for half he's the, an hour. He's the secret protagonist that does nothing anybody anybody likes. <laughs> That's and right. Who isn't on screen for more than about ten minutes? You guys realize we're only up to the battle droids at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to blow through some stuff here. Uh, we get to Nabu, which is Italy. I wanted to ask about, uh, the whole Padme, uh, there's a queen and a hand, handmaiden thing. She's an elected queen. She doesn't even use the Clark Kent glasses. She could have the decency to use Clark Kent glasses. Then we, then at least we could believe. Are they both <laughs> Natalie Portman? Is there, is there, is it all split screen? Is there also a replacement for Natalie Portman? I never understood it when I watched it. I still don't understand it. I still don't know when it's her. It's not clear to me when she's the decoy and when she's when she's, and when not. she's not. It's well, different look- actresses. It's different actresses. She is real up but to the point where not. Captain Tanaka <laughs> says, Your Highness, this is getting very bad. Perhaps we should consider doing, <laughs> you know, things. And then the very next scene where she's seen walking down the stairs and they're like, we're going to force you to sign the treaty. That is not her. She is now Padme, and uh, Kira Knightley is pretending to and be Kira her. Kira Knightley is pretending to be here. Okay, so so apparently, the- apparently they didn't need the Clark Kent glasses because you guys can't tell the difference. I couldn't I believe can't. this. I was watching it, and I'm like, who could not? Who does not recognize Natalie Portman's lips? Apparently, somebody, and there are a lot of people in this podcast. John's paying a lot of attention. Yeah. <laughs> Even anytime you can see Natalie Portman's face, it's clear. Like that's basically the way it works to me. It's like in the it, like without the makeup on. Like if it's not without like if the it's obvious on, it's sure. her, it's not doubled. It's just Kira Knightley playing. Yeah, but it. frequently it's shaded by the the hood that she's got on. So yeah, so yeah, cases, but you I, can. But she's still she's still she's recognizable. Usually you right can still see her mouth. It's pretty distinctive on the left. I guess side. what we're saying is she's got a pretty good. Decoy. I'm just I'm really confused. <laughs> I don't think she does. I think you people are like it's, it's like uh you know queen racism. Like all ducks look alike. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I put on the makeup. All for not Amidala obsessives. She's got a pretty good. Kira Knightley does bear a very strong resemblance to she Natalie does. Portman, at least oh, at, at that age, are, certainly. Are you are you telling me if you saw? I like the switcheroo at the end, but there are just many points in this movie where I'm sense. like, I don't really know. Is she was she the handmaiden all along? Was it's she the queen before? Set up you guys that have bad face the, recognition, oh. I think. The interesting thing, so. As a 12-year-old, when this came out, uh, there were novelizations. There was a novelization of the book, and then there were also two diaries, each from the point of view of – one from the point of view of Anakin and one from the point of view from of that, Amidala. That kid can't write. Yeah, no. His, his diary was crap. But uh, well, Remember, her- nobody can read in Star Wars. <laughs> Dear diary, it is very hard to be the queen – we are not amused at being the queen. <laughs> Dear Diary, today I met an angel. The Amidala book actually has a fairly straight timeline and everything makes sense. And apparently they should have used that for the script and not actually the actual script. Because mm. the actual script, it doesn't make any sense when she's switching, why she's switching. And the only reason why they have that in the movie at all is be- so they can pull that switcheroo, switcheroo at the very at the end. end. Which, Which is the tiniest little thing. They don't even it's emphasize it. It's the tiniest it. little thing. It's and not important it's not- either. They could no. completely have replaced that with something else and just saved us a lot of confusion. And it sets up <laughs> a really weird moment where you realize that Kira Knightley, as the person who's just there to die in her queen's place, just ordered... Queen Amidala to go wash a droid. Yeah, that, that totally got me. Like, there, there was the thing is like, there's there's so much stuff that is so blatant on the rewatching. And yes, I understand you already know what's going to happen. You already know there's a decoy. But at the same time, there's parts where she's like talking to the handmaid, like it's really dangerous for all of us, like you 
got it. Like it's just it's yeah. It's they beat you over the head with it. And and like you're saying, it doesn't it doesn't really make any sense. And like, who did anybody vote for this person? Does she have executive powers? Like, I'm worried about the parliamentary procedures here. She's talking to the prime minister, and and Natalie Portman is the handmaiden. And I keep looking to see if there's going to be like a little like glance. And it's like the hand, the her decoy is making deci- executive decisions. I'm <laughs> like, like, what if that should- decoy is just like I want to put one of my handmaids to death? Like, would anyone stop her? <laughs> Look over at the real queen and, like, get a nod or something. Right? Don't just be like, oh, let's do that. And why does she even have decoys? She's an elected official because these people like to elect 14-year-old girls to be their leader. Do it's they always so have to find the six people willing to die for her? It's like it's like the Kevin Klein movie There's date, a lottery, basically. You know? And they generally travel on the same... Um, transports so if they got shot down they would, they would both, both die, die yeah, at a certain yes. point it became like she was being a kind of a jerk to constantly have a decoy like when they went to the gungans it's like jesus can you go into any situation where you don't put the like let's all right we're going somewhere oh, let's use a decoy because i think i might be killed it's just a constant like she can't go to the grocery store it's like all right well i'll go to the grocery store but let's have the decoy go to the grocery store and i'll walk behind it like <laughs> everywhere you got it because that's, it's just it's like non-heroic to constantly go everywhere and have lead with your decoy because what you're basically saying that's what i do with my decoy it's like a saddam hussein thing like he had decoys. It's not. Yeah. It's not an honorable. Thing. The real queen is in a spider hole somewhere. If you knew she was going to be responsible for the next two movies, you'd want to kill her too. But I, I got to go with whoever was it. Was it Steve or Monty or Greg who said the uh, the making the the queen wash the droid? That just <laughs> that just makes no sense. No. It makes no sense. She's just like really getting off on this. Like, oh, I get to be queen now. You go wash a droid. Like, I mean, again, she could have had her thrown out the airlock, and then where would we be? <laughs> Wash a droid is the best euphemism I've heard. <laughs> Go wash a droid. The confusion also ruins what, what could have actually been a pretty good moment, which is where Anakin goes to say goodbye to, uh, to Padme. And she responds, the queen, who I assume at that point is Padme, says, I'm sure her heart goes with you. And right. It's it's clear. I'm thinking about it that yeah, that's probably Padme. That's that's actually the queen at that point. I, but... I still can't believe you people can't tell the difference between these two actresses. <laughs> no, no. Can't, not at all. Why is she in full headdress in her dressing room in that scene? <laughs> she could take the He's hat about off. To go at least address the Senate. She's yeah, or she just came ready. back from a meeting. She yeah. changes clothes a lot for somebody with such a complicated wardrobe. Yes. And apparently she has a big wardrobe on that tiny little yeah. ship. Yes. Well, they do consider selling her wardrobe as to pay for the hyperdrive, so it tells you what kind of clothes she's got. John's lip recognition is so strong that if he were an enemy agent, he would know enemy who agent? to assassinate. Can you, if we just, if seriously, if you just saw two pictures of those actresses, headshots, hair hair hidden or pulled back, and you saw those In two white actresses. face with distracting red makeup? Yes. Yeah, you, you, you don't think you could tell the difference? They're both super famous. I, How can you not know what they look like? I mean, because of the weird, because it's just so weird with the white face and the funny red thing. You could throw Marcel Marceau into that combination. I couldn't tell them apart. I think think we're missing the big point, which is that the Jedi, who can apparently like read people's (laughs) thoughts and stuff, can't tell. Oh, you got me. And you can tell whether there's a a ship or or a lightsaber on an iPad that's on the other side of the room, but he can't tell if it's Keira Knightley or Natalie Portman. That's the same test Bill Murray uses in Ghostbusters. And these are Jedi that use mind control at a moment's notice just to get out of mildly annoying conversations. Yes. So, okay, I want to I want to move ahead to the pod race now because we. The, but wait, there's more. And 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 also point out. Speaking of stupid things, the Jedi do. I, I was struck. Really, Jedi. This is the best you've got. Is why don't we enter a race and bet our entire spaceship and the, on this kid. 
That's the best idea you have? Qui-Gon's strategic genius. Well, the, the best part is that in the, in the discussions of, of that decision, of like the script has to fence in this decision to make it be the decision. So it's like, well, do you, do you know any people who are friendly with the Federation? Nope, not on this planet. Well, I guess you're right. Then this is the... Like, they, they have this discussion right. where it, several alternatives are offered and shut down by this random slave woman who you just right. met. Yeah. And he's like, well, that, that you know, there it is. It's perfectly logical. I don't have money. Can't get money, even though I'm a Jedi. Uh, there's no one else here who's friendly. So this kid thing, that's it. That's the, that's the only choice. Can't mind control Watto, the only creature we've ever met that can't have his... That is yeah. immune to Jedi powers? Uh, second. Jabba's also Jabba, immune. technically. And Watto tells him that uh, that nobody else on Tatooine is likely to have a replacement for their leaking hyperdrive, but yeah, he just, he just takes that at face value. Okay, yeah. yeah, he's probably telling me the truth. This guy's not shifty at all. Hey, don't look on eBay. You wouldn't be able to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't, don't walk across to the other 15 parts dealers in Tatooine. No. He could at least use his Jedi powers on someone else to steal their money and then give it to Watto. I feel like this would have would have worked a little bit better if the diversion to Tatooine had been more dramatic, like they were going to crash and they had to go to Tatooine and the things were kind of busted up. And they said the hyperdrive is leaking and and they were desperate. (laughs) But it happens almost as an aside, like, oh, but the hyperdrive has a leak. So we have to go to Tatooine. (laughs) And so we'll go there. Just pull into the hyper gas station and get it patched up. We need to wax the ship. It was it was leaking midichlorians. They're in short supply. Man. There's no drama in that, and so when they get there, they don't seem that desperate. So that 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 struck me as as a problem. And then we so you know, and yeah, there's virgin birth and midichlorians and all that. But then <laughs> th- then there's this pod race. Wait, wait, wait pod the, race was the midichlorians before or after that? Because I have one point on the midichlorians. After thing. okay, it's so after. the part with the part where he's uh he's talking into his uh, lady's uh, razor. <laughs> And, uh, and and that, I, I realize that's, that's after yeah. that, he oh. where he's got a device powerful enough to take a blood sample, but not to analyze. Right, right. It. So that was that was my point. That's what I get in this one. He radios he sent, the he analysis. He sent blood over the internet. Yeah. Right. No, he, he didn't send an analysis of the blood because if he could no. have sent an analysis of the blood over the he internet, could have he would have had the analysis it. right there. He sent the blood over the internet to the other computer that then analyzed the blood and yes. told him no, the medical. No, you're, you're missing the point. It's Mon- Monty's totally right. He's doing it just to show up. Obi-Wan on how <laughs> yeah. much more powerful this kid is. <laughs> hey, Obi-Wan, look what I found. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's your midichlorian count, Obi-Wan? Do you think Jedi sit around the locker room comparing midichlorian counts? Eat it, Obi-Wan. <laughs> there's, there's the one Jedi who hides in the corner of the locker room to put his shorts on. I could do this blood analysis myself, but the, you do the it, The kid Pat was already on. bleeding, and then he poked him anyway to get the blood. It's like, you didn't need, the blood was already clearly on the surface. But well, like, ow, yeah, I want to know if he actually checked his blood for infections, because... Uh, what is with the Jedi lying all the time? <laughs> he doesn't have any effect. Midi-chlorines are... Yeah, I want to check your blood for infections. Like the Force. Oh, Darth Maul shows up at this point, too. And I wanted to say, I kind of like Darth Maul. He's sort yeah. of interesting and creepy. Because and he has he's no like lines. In three scenes. He has well, three lines. Well, Why... He- He's Boba Fett. He has a very emasculating ride, though, once he gets down on Tatooine. He rides in this badass ship, and then he (laughs) he climbs on this little motorcycle thing, which is totally not doing anything for his image. But the first thing he does is drive it over a cliff. That's kind of cool. Yeah, the part where he drives it over the cliff, and I just thought, like, wow, that was the end of that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Scary, but not very smart. It sounds for all the world like Sidious says his apprentice is Garth Maul. (laughs) Excuse me? me? Party on, Wayne Sidious. 
I mean, but also I like the fact that he introduces him to the to the the whatever the hell the, the Trade Federation guys, and he has to like appear in his holographic form, like, "Hey, yes. how's it going? <laughs> what is that? Like, what? Why? Why? Even Palpatine has to do exposition. That's a healthy master Padawan relationship. Come, come, yes. come, step into the webcam view. But isn't he trying to like keep this whole thing like secret? Yeah, just hold like, on. Isn't the whole point like no. we got secret Sith guys who are scary? Like, we should definitely reveal his existence to way more people. <laughs> Especially these obvious incompetence. In the trade <laughs> Nobody can understand anything they say. It'll be fine. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Anyway, I feel bad for Darth Maul because he, he shows up and it's like, hey, he's kind of interesting. And then we don't see him. And he, apparently he spends the entire plot of the pod race wandering around in the desert <laughs> looking for nothing. Well, Have you seen the, this boy? <laughs> <laughs> the, probe, the probe droids are looking for well, him. He doesn't do anything. He sends his, little, he sends his balls out to do the work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He has his little uh, sensor balls that go out, and and he sits, he kicks back and watches TV. I'd like that as a split screen where Darth Maul is watching TV in his spaceship while Obi Wan is watching TV in the other <laughs> spaceship while the rest of the plot goes on. I would like to see that. And this turns out they're like playing video games against each other. What? It's, like, yeah, it's like Pong. No, they're like doing Call of Duty. Yeah. Well, they're they're watching uh, Wayne's World. Obviously, part of this the Star Wars universe is based on Wayne's, Wayne's World. World and Full House party on and Full and, House. And the and uh, the Big Lebowski. So we've pretty much established the canon. Brilliant. I have a question about the pod race. There there I have a lot no, of questions. You're the only the one. <laughs> the reason they have to do the pod race is because gambling on the pod race is what the entire economy is based on. <laughs> yes. And also, yes. And moisture farms. Sebulba always wins, and practically everybody <laughs> always dies, and their pod racers <laughs> blow up during the race. Yes, the, the yes. gambling seems like it would be extremely one-sided on the podcast. No, I don't, I don't see why you would have a problem with this. It's not an airtight system, really. What, what's your question? But yes, what is, what is the question? <laughs> Who bets the second time? <laughs> like, I've been here three days. So Mopus won every time. He's also the only survivor. I'm going to bet on this human. Well, there's a lot of idiots who crash land when their hyperdrive starts leaking. <laughs> oh, it's like the Lost Island. It's got some kind of tractor on tractor. Well, it may also, to actually answer your question literally, uh, it may be people betting on the second and third place winners or betting who's going to crash uh, where. place and show. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, other bets. Sebulba and the guy with the stooge droids. That seems pretty sophisticated for Tatooine guys. That justifies an economy based on racing. Well, these things I'm sure go in streaks. Sebulba always wins, you know, for the three months and then he dies and then the next guy who always wins comes up. <laughs> yeah, know. maybe. I'm betting on the guy with the long neck. With Sebulba, you gotta bet 400 to win 400 50. But here, but here here I have to I have to give some credit to the pod race because the pod race is a race. It's a coherent thing yes. that happens. It there is some tension about who's in first or second place, not that we think yes. he's ever going to lose, but at least at least it's it's a, it's a sensible story. I understand how a race works. I understand people going fast. I understand laps. I understand wanting to win. And that's something that can't be said for almost the entirety of this movie. Right. That none of it makes any sense in any rational way, and you have any connection to it whatsoever. At least racing is something that could possibly finally connect with normal people. Oh, racing! I know racing. So thumbs up. Let, let me throw let me throw out a question here, just because I'm I'm curious. Why do you strap the engines to the front 
like so that you're behind the exhaust the whole time because they're because dragging the, they're off to the pod side. that you're uh, sitting in. So you can reference Ben Hur for ben no Hur? apparent what? reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get yeah. that, but they obviously <laughs> haven't seen Ben Hur in this universe. So my question: <laughs> They've is, seen Wayne's World. World and Full House. Why not Ben Hur? Why not just put them on the back of the pod where yeah. it makes perfect sense? Because then you're up front and you're going to be hitting all those things that your giant yeah. engines hit. In it doesn't matter. You die either way. We've seen this. Unless you're Sabalba, in which case you just slide to a halt and say poodoo he was only going 400 miles an hour that's it's like asking why wear a helmet if you hit something at 900 miles per hour it's just slightly safer here are the things i noticed about the pod race greg proops is in it as as zafon (laughs) bebelbrock saying things that are supposed to be funny but aren't really funny uh it looks great it sounds great Mm. um it is way it is way too long and the line that made me laugh out loud this time is uh 3po says he has to complete two more circuits oh dear droid right yeah but no but i i I love it because he's actually commenting that that's wait that's it's oh dear we're gonna be here a long time (laughs) because there's two two more laps i I don't find the 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 pot racing scene interminable because again it has no dialogue so i'm blessedly spared that and it is a race scene not listening to greg proops huh (laughs) yeah i just don't hear him i don't i don't hear him it's like watching somebody else play a video game. We're, we're literally watching the movie go around in circles. <laughs> but at least it's moving. The, the reason the Padres seems long is because this is the first time in the course of the film, and what are we at, like here, 40 minutes, where we've spent more than 30 seconds on any given situation. <laughs> we've encountered poison, battle droids, droidicus, boss nas, the gigantic fish, and all these are just set up and dispatched within like, seconds and without the tiniest little bit of tension and it's and they're incoherent and inconsequential at least we know there's something on the line here something stupid but something on the line right. and it's a race and you know it's it's finally like something that you put together and i right. i think the race scene itself is reasonably coherent in that you could tell what's going on in the yes. race you can tell who is in what position yes. and what what each person yeah. is in each situation which like and I'm just saying this is just baseline competence of like shooting any scene about anything and finally you have right. one here. You do yeah. have the reaction shots of the crowd which are execrable and should just like just <laughs> don't look at those at all. Like just close your eyes and wait till yeah. they get back to the racers. They're they're using iPads to watch the yeah. race. Yeah, it's not near them. Well, that's my favorite part of the race scene is that Anakin's mother doesn't want to watch. You know, she keeps turning her face away, but they make her hold the the iPad. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. want to know so where you get one of those iPads it. with the Viking horn holder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's just a real. It's a case. Why, why do you go to watch this ninety nine dollars? Why, why do you go in to watch it at the stadium when it's only like they're only in front of you for thirty seconds? Yeah, but people do that. Yeah, they do for, that for, for for car races. And I car don't races. People do that for baseball games. Remember going to baseball games when I was a kid, and I see people with a little miniature TV up in the cheap seats with me. Yeah, but but where where the where the uh, the pod racing is watching people play somebody play a video game. Everything up till that point has been watching somebody do a speed run who already knows where <laughs> everything is, you know, and, and just he has the walkthrough by his side and he just blasts through everything without there being any concern whatsoever. And all of a sudden we have a situation where there's some actual tension. There's a chance the kid might lose, although we know he's not going to. And the sound, the sound design, like Jason said, sound yeah. design is really good. I like the, the pod racer design, even though it makes no sense just because it looks kind of interesting. And I think the, this is one area where the effects actually do hold up where there's almost nothing real in this entire thing. And it looks fine. And I think the one thing they blow, ironically, is the music, which is it has a reused cue, yeah. which is just really weird. It's, yeah. I find that distracting every time is that there's a the cue is reused from when they escape Naboo on the spaceship. It's the exact same music. Yeah, that's weird because in the rest of the movie, John Williams is killing it. Like John Williams is determined that it's all super exciting, whatever nonsense is happening on screen. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the uh, one of the few bright spots of the Phantom Menace is the score is actually pretty damn good. Um, yes, but but how it's used in the movie is not good. It'd almost be better if it wasn't so good, though, because it, it yeah it, it reflects the fact that the movie is so dismal. No, but if you just mute, if you could just mute the dialogue. <laughs> well, no, but I th- I think the score is not used well in the movie. Like we oh we I agree both with that. Have the soundtrack. I mean, you listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack is so much better oh, yeah. than it's the, cut to this. it's cut to ribbons because I had a uh, I bought the. Uh, when the movie came out, I bought the soundtrack, and that's a good story because I spoiled the plot for my spoiled. Mm-hmm. Yes, because yes, the, there's the, the quite the, 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 the the funeral uh, <laughs> track. I, I looked at it. I happened to pick it up in the store like three days before I went to the movie, and I was really pissed off. Um, but it, the fact is that that cut of the original soundtrack is really terrible. I mean, and then later on they finally released a two disc version, which is actually very good. Um, but it's I agree that that, that it's misused uh, in a lot of places, and it's kind of cut up to ribbons, and it doesn't really. It's weird that it doesn't. Like, they couldn't, you know, come up with a new cue for that scene. Like, they couldn't bring Johnny Williams back for, like, a couple hours, have him write up something. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, very, it's the, one of the weak points in that, in that sequence. The other weak point for me being right after Anakin wins, watch his friends try to high-five. Oh, yes, and that, is, that is the twice. most awkward. That is like, awesome. And, and the thing about that, I showed I, I tried paused twice, it. twice. I paused it. I paused it and showed this to my wife because I couldn't believe she hadn't seen it. And I'm like, has that scene? She's like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't, you don't know that scene? That is the... Like the thing is, that's the take they use. I think about that, and I just shake my head because when Ren was saying like they must have been fed bad line readings, I was thinking that he did everything in one take, and like that's it, that's the one we're using. Like that's the one you're using. That's the one. The guy in the mask couldn't see the kid, and it's like three abortive attempts to high five, and it's just the most awkward. It's the most awkward thing I've ever seen on film, and that's the take they use. Like they, you could have cut it out of the movie. There's no reason for it to be. They're like, nope, that's the take. We got it in one. Next, next. It's setup. a microcosm of the entire film. The same thing happens on the Trade Federation uh, at on the bridge. There's a navigator down in the lower corner of the screen who can't find the buttons they're supposed to be pushing because they have a mask on. And there's so much attention paid to, you know, all of the CGI stuff, all of the tiny little details that go into that. But nobody's actually watching what the human beings on the green screen are doing. They're just fumbling around, bumping into uh. things. At I least think... one of those kids was George Lucas's daughter. Yeah, she was in the scene with looking at the pod racer. Yeah. In fact, I think two of them are because I think there. Are, I looked yeah. it up and there were two people. Uh, two Jabba girls with the last and, name and Lucas. Behind Jabba, there's one of his daughters, and I believe, and the, and the other daughter is definitely when they're looking at his pod racer, and he just yeah. got it set up, and she's in the back. She has a line. She has a, a line that she delivers as badly as everyone else delivers a line. That's so wizard. Well, at least he didn't have favoritism. The little yeah. the little kids are just bad news. Period. I mean, it's bad enough you've got Jake Lloyd stinking the place up but then you throw four or five others in there you got one kid saying this is this is so wizard and so what the hell is that, that that kid has the best line readings in the movie besides palpatine <laughs> what we also learn about the pod racing is that anakin's pod is way faster than any other pod because he starts way behind he's like 20 he, i counted this time he's like 25 seconds behind so it, it better he, be fast he catches up he catches up and the only way that that it's even close after he catches up is is the various sorts of sabotage that happen to him, which are physical acts of sabotage, all of which he fixes by flipping switches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really smart of him to build that little door on his pod that can close over the place exactly where Sabalba yeah. just happened to sabotage his pod. Yeah. Well, Jedi he's can that good. see into the future a little bit. It's the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. Uh, he's also mm. Han Solo's dad. It's really... you know, Did I'm, Anakin use the Force to pull the broken cable back to him? No, he used a magnet. magnet. It's the MagSafe. They, use, they yeah. use MagSafe for all their engines in the pod <laughs> races, oh, they obviously. 
Um, yeah, well, Anakin's entire excellent piloting skills are just flipping switches up and down. Also later during the space battle. Guide, guided by the Force. He did not crash into things, which was, which was a feat. Well, that's, that's how good of a tinker he is. He's able to design something that only requires flip switching. It, as he grows up, he learns to bang on the dash, too. Yeah. Pod racing is uh, is like Mario Kart. There's a lot of rubber banding, so he was he yeah. was bound to get the blue shell. In the he's back like, like the that. Jedi fawns. I mean, all he has to do is whack the console. <laughs> Jedi fawns. Hey, hey, the force be with you. I, I'm realizing now that even though we're, we're not even close to halfway through the movie, my notes run out rapidly because I think I I lost the will to live. You were beaten down. I feel the same way. That, it was after the pod race. You just go downhill after a while. Yeah. Mine too. I took my first break after the pod race and i didn't want to go back i have two sentences written down after the pod race so so um i i wanted to talk about the uh scenes in the galactic galactic senate which are death because they're really boring <laughs> oh, um gosh. we already mentioned why does the trade federation even get a seat in the senate i guess that's the corruption it's that corrupt uh but my, my note is oh good robert's rules of order in space <laughs> <laughs> on floating platforms i recognize the chair and there's a committee and, and you know, again, I've got that question about uh, Padme relaying her opinions when she's not dressed up as the queen, which is very confusing. The, the, as, as I think Ren pointed out um, when we were watching it, how does she get to motion for a no-confidence vote when she's not in the Senate? Right. My feeling there is that, is that she's, as the ruler, she can step in for, the, for her, her senator. Yeah, but governor, like... For Massachusetts, let's just say Massachusetts is a planet. Oh, I know. Paul Patrick can't, you know, vote in well, this the is, House of Representatives well, in the Senate. This is the Galactic Republic. Que- queens aren't elected yes. either. But the problem with this movie is that the political structure is inconsistent. <laughs> oh, so that's the main. You don't problem. say. There are no other problems. You should see. You should see the taxation code. Speaking of acting, um, I should mention that Terrence Stamp appears here, too. And hey, kneel before Valorum. He's a really interesting actor who is completely <laughs> boring and and speaks in a flat voice. And uh, He has nothing to do. Well, I will say, and, and I gave credit, and I will continue to give credit. I think Ian McDermott does as Palpatine. Especially, I think better is I think he's better as Palpatine than he has, is as Darth Sidious. Um, he's just game, right? Like I think that's the thing about him. He's like he's just going for it. Like he's the one guy there who's like, I, you know what? I'm a professional British actor. I'm just going to kind of roll with this. Well, also he the, the Emperor has been defined as a character, and let's let's say we've been searching for a, a a protagonist in this movie. Palpatine's the protagonist. He's the one who makes everything happen. He's the title. He's created the Phantom Menace, he's, right? He's the only one who has a brain. It's, it's funny that as much as these movies ruin uh, the big reveal at the end of Empire, that the the original trilogy has already ruined this movie's big reveal. Yeah, yeah, but this movie deserves it. I mean, the the fact that Sidious and Palpatine are the same is so transparent. Oh, so you can tell the difference between those two, but you can't tell Natalie Portman from Karen Knightley. <laughs> is that supposed to be a surprise? Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that I I think if you go in not knowing that I think you it might get by you aside from the fact that for me at the very end during the funeral they're like whoa which one did we kill the master of the apprentice slow pan, pan to the right <laughs> you know I I know that that seems so obvious and yet I I said to my my kids well you know why they're showing him right and they're like no why and I said because he's the emperor and they go <gasps> so why are even Mace Windu and Yoda telling each other things they already know exposition so they're telling the audience they're reading they're reading things that should never be spoken by human beings That's they're why. not even right are they all this stuff about oh, there's always exactly two 
It, if there's always exactly and a two half. Sith, relax, guys. There's not that many of them you'll be <laughs> That's right. You've I like, always got numbers. I, I, I like to pretend that maybe the Jedi Council is actually just what the Avengers ends up being in the future after Nick Fury's <laughs> recruited them all. So oh. yeah, it is funny to watch that movie now and think, hey, Nick Fury, he's a he's a Jedi. So we, we, we missed something here, which is back. We go back to Naboo and there's a battle, which I actually think is actually... I, I enjoy the grass field. The, the putting green, the battle of the putting green. No, Windows 95 battle or the Teletubbies battle yeah. or whatever it is. It's the rolling grass <laughs> hills battle. battle. CGI objects. I, I See, actually kind of like that. I thought it was like the hill in toys. I, I had no interest in that battle whatsoever. I didn't care about either side. It was not interesting tactically. It was not interesting yeah. visually. It was ridiculous. It had stupid blue gumballs. It had gun guns. Like, it had jar jar. Explode. Ugh. I, I didn't mind that battle. I, I actually thought that battle was kind of cool. But um, and I like the dro- I, I like that the <laughs> the droids come on like racks and they are dispensed. That was the only good part <laughs> of that battle was the droids being unfolding from their little thing. It was two seconds worth of yeah. well, that's clever. Okay, now never show me this again. Because like he did, he did the same thing he did in Jedi. He wanted to have multiple uh, multiple battle lines going, and he wanted them to reach their their nadir at the same point, right? Like he, that that's his that's his playbook. Multiple lines of action. Everything looks like it's going as bad as it could possibly go for all of them at once, and they all come out of him and culminate in a climax. But the problem is, no one cares about any of these things, and the only one that's remotely cool, as far as I'm concerned, is the lightsaber battle. And that's not because we care about the characters, it's just because it's a cool lightsaber battle. How did we skip all the way ahead to this? You're right, Steve. We did skip ahead, mostly because I passed I passed away at some point needed to be revived <laughs> while this moves. But we should talk about the Jedi Council a little bit. I want right. to back up to that, because uh, I do have that in my notes. The blue guy with the neck? Who's who's TikToking behind? So distracting. I know things about that guy. He's a Q-tip. I sense much fear in you. Yoda says, "I don't." Yoda, I have not seen any emotion in this in in, in Anakin at all. How is there fear? I I, I sense nothing. What, in he him. said, "Yippee!" That's he emotion. Seems, he's perfectly content. Guys, that's the reveal. Oh, like that's the whole reason that Anakin is so flat the entire time is so that Yoda can point out that he knows there's fear in him because he can see it inside his head, even though Qui-Gon couldn't tell the difference between two teenage girls. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Suffering leads to sitting stationary in chairs in a circle. The second and third movie. Like, again, if you have the scene where they're all sitting in these chairs, like Yoda, like, this is the puppet Yoda, right? It's not the CG Yoda until he's walking around later, right? So uh, It a- depends which version you watch. <sighs> in the Blu-ray version, he has been replaced with a CGI version. The fact that you're aware of that makes me so sad for you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> I, watched, I watched that version. <laughs> but he's trapped in that chair, and, like, it removes this essential puppetness. It's like everyone is trapped in chairs and talking to each other. Because what, what Muppets do, the bouncy walk, right? That's how you can tell it's a friggin' Muppet. If not, it's just a little thing sticking out of a chair. And like all these scenes, just people in chairs talking. So he could, he's like a pillow. No. You know, I think, I think remove your essential puppetness is just short of go wash the droid for me as far as euphemisms are concerned. Muppetness. I liked when the Freud-looking member of the Jedi Council with the forehead said, your yeah, thoughts yeah. dwell on your mother. I thought the movie was going to go in a completely different direction. <laughs> Tell me, in small words, the good things about your mother. Uh-oh. I don't like where this is going at all. <laughs> Sometimes a lightsaber is just a lightsaber. Go wash the droid, Steve. That's, I had two notes from the Senate scene since we kind of jumped over that. First oh, of all, yeah. just I totally understand how the Queen got elected because she's a real dynamic presence. <laughs> but secondly, what what is it I'm supposed to think about the fact that Jar Jar finds the Queen pity hot? She says she's pretty hot. Well, that's that's like good. He was using that as good. Have you seen Gungan ladies? Who is this movie for? <laughs> is my question. What 
Excuse me. I, you know, I was saved from that by the fact that I could not understand a word that he word said. He said I, no. I couldn't have told you I said that. He says something about her looking something, something, and then he says, pity hot. It's like, oh my God, really? Yeah. No, but I think that means something else in Gungan is the problem. <laughs> Seriously, nothing in Gungan she means exactly what She looks uncomfortably warm. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for it's her. Heavy, there's our, those are heavy robes and a really heavy hat. Why didn't she live under the water in a horrible swamp like normal people? <laughs> In a bubble. Yeah. She did say that Tatooine was too warm for her. She's got ventilation problems. Space is cold, Annie. <laughs> so, so we talked about, we talked about the, uh, the council a little bit, but do we, do we have that bit where, um, where Anakin, we mentioned briefly the Anakin going to say goodbye to Padme, just because I want to point out that that's the Jimmy McNulty cameo. He's the guard who lets him yeah. in. Mm-hmm. God, poor yeah, Jimmy. That, try not to see those. The, the part, notes I have here around that area is when they go to the Gungans and this is the worst reading of Natalie Portman in the entire movie. Also, terrible writing as usual. I ask you to help us. No, I beg you to help us. Great writing there. <laughs> How long did you have to think about that? She delivers the line basically exactly as I did. And then the accented crazy line that comes back is, I will now explain my internal monologue out loud in an idiotic way. You so no thinking you greater than the Gungans? Me so like. That's it. That's I, like that's uh, seriously. You left off at least and then one. You, do <laughs> you don't think you're better than me? I like that. And and as and as rationale, that doesn't actually make sense either. Really? No, no, nothing. Nothing makes sense. Just it, like this. You don't write. It's not writing. It's not even. They're not even writing dialogue. It's it just it just doesn't make any sense. That uh, dual-headed lightsaber thing was kind of awesome. Yeah, some people. I saw some people who were down on that. I saw people in the chat room who were down on it, and some people are like, "Oh, I don't like that." Are you kidding? Out of all the things in this movie that are so incredibly terrible, you're not. You're gonna. Oh well, lightsabers can't come out of. Bo- so here's my problem with the double sided lightsaber. The double sided lightsaber in of itself is cool. The fight is really cool. It's nicely choreographed. Only problem is, it's just like it's just like anything else. Uh, everything else we've been saying about the lightsabers, where it's just it's too much. You're overselling the point of lightsabers, and you it leads to something like the what happens in the third episode with the guy with like the zillion lightsabers and the million arms. Like they just keep on overtopping it. I like the idea that some somewhere some Sith Lord was like lightsaber. Yeah, it's cool. What if I put two of them together? <laughs> oh, well, this is awesome. Why didn't I think of this earlier? It's twice as cool. What if it had three blades? So lightsabers are basically razors from our world? <laughs> yes. I, I do like the oh fact boy. that he starts up the one side and then waits a beat for maximum oh, yeah, yeah, impact yeah. and then fires up the other. Dude, the guy's got face paint. He knows dramatic beats. Come are on. Are you getting it now? It bothers me that it makes the lightsaber fights in episodes four through six look really odd. Like, this is what lightsaber fights look, fights look like. Ray Park flipping around like a maniac. Well, that's they're they're over choreographed. There's no they spin when they don't need to spin. Mm-hmm. They jump when they don't need to jump. There's a video out there on the internet where they stop the person <laughs> ducking from when he ducks, and the lightsaber would have missed him anyway. I, I I do have to say my this this provides one of my favorite memories of going to see this in the theater because the point where uh, Darth Maul comes in and the Jedi shrug off their robes. A guy like two line, two rows ahead of me goes, "Oh, Jedi gonna throw down," <laughs> which to me is still one of my favorite memories of going to that movie. <laughs> you know, I again, I like, I like, kind of like Darth Maul. I think he's interesting. He's in three scenes. He has the two lightsabers. He jumps around. The reason we don't see more people with two lightsabers is because you know, it, it's it, it doesn't end it doesn't end up well yeah, for Darth it's like Maul. Capes I for guess superheroes. It's although see, and again, not practical. I, these are all the parts of the of that thing that I like. What I don't like is uh, there is yet another 
uh, incompetently designed. I feel like this was the early an early design by the same firm that that uh, designed the Death Star. Yeah, giant giant power beams, bridges without railing, bridges without ha- handrails, people handrails yeah they had them in empire at least right there was hand the hallway of pointless force fields and the hallway of pointless force fields which is one step away from galaxy quest that's my favorite thing from the carnival which he could have which he could have speed run through but they'd already established earlier in the same exact movie that jedi have the ability to speed run and he does mm-hmm. not do that now yeah well, he would have just taken a lightsaber in the face that would have been it unfortunate. felt totally like a video game arbitrarily blocking you from yes. getting through yeah it's a boss fight Yes, but it does make one yes. of the one of the one of the best better set pieces I think in the film. As dumb as it is, because I love the bit where uh, where Darth Maul is walking back and forth menacingly, and Qui Gon goes down and, and meditates. That is, a really and, and Obi Wan cool jumps up and down to get himself psyched up. I mean, right. I, I it, what that scene was over choreographed, but like if you look at it in the same vein as like Kill Bill or Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, those are all over choreographed and silly too. I'm willing to go with that. I like those type of fights. I'm perfectly. It's just I don't care about the characters. I don't care about anything else that's going on in this movie. So that's that's the big problem. Like if I think about you know any of these movies, you if you don't have any engagement in the character or plot, only thing you can do is try to appreciate it on the level of watching like a Saturday morning kung fu movie or whatever. Uh, and even on that level, it's like so so. But uh, and the Trade Federation, their lips don't match their words. <laughs> Yeah, it's very. There is that vibe going on there, but like, yeah, I, I cut together just the lightsaber battle from that movie, and if you put it together in that way, it looks like an over choreographed lightsaber battle. And they do save it for the end of the movie, and it's not that long, but its problem is like every other problem. In this movie. It's pointless. The whole movie is pointless. You don't care about these people. It's dumb. You don't <laughs> care when Qui Gon dies. Like all the problems that, could, right. that you could possibly have in any kind of narrative are there, but just the, the choreography. Meh. It ends in the most. Imp- improbable way possible which is that the guy who clearly does not have advantage because he's hanging from below it's so shocking that he jumped up i will not block first of all he telegraphs exactly what his next move is going to be by by continuously staring at where the the (laughs) fallen lightsaber is and then he flies directly over the guy with the active lightsaber's head and then even worse and and i can't believe that uh, maybe this has been pointed out before but it's the first time i've noticed it as obi-wan is leaping over his head the lightsaber changes hands. That Darth Maul's lightsaber actually moves from the left to the right hand between scenes. Doesn't matter. He's not going to do anything with the lightsaber anyway. So what does it matter? But there's no way he could have actually moved it from hand to hand. It's just it's yeah, just yeah, a screw up. Someone I mean, made a continuity error. He yeah. has complete control over everything that goes on in the film, except I guess what the actors except are doing, the script. obviously, and the script, and and himself, I guess most importantly, and he he manages to screw up that crucial moment. It's unbelievable. I would love to see. The how it should have ended scene where like as Obi-Wan flips over the head and he tries gets to summon Qui-Gon's lightsaber, like Darth Maul just like intercepts the lightsaber and then stabs him. <laughs> yep. And then attaches the lightsaber to the other end of his broken <laughs> A T-shaped lightsaber. And then Nobody cuts off his braid it. as a trophy. <laughs> no, no, no. You guys you guys missed the uh the most important thing, which is after after Obi-Wan is killed by Darth Maul, Qui-Gon gets up and goes, all right, I got rid of that guy. <laughs> and high fives Darth Maul, but they miss oh, him. Oh yeah, a couple I thought times I would before. never be rid of him. Do you want to be my Padawan? <laughs> that was yeah. That was. This was a really elaborate <laughs> yeah. plot just to get rid of Obi Wan. Yeah. Oh man, if Liam Neeson had turned out to be Darth Sidious, wow, that would have blown my mind. I mean, uh, during that scene, though, I did think of an idea, a product idea for the Star Wars universe: uh, mitten clips for lightsabers. Think about it. Yep. 
It was like how many, like even in just the, in the real Star Wars movies, like it, they keep coming out of your hand. If you just get one of those little clips that you put that you put to hold the mittens on in the winter, it will solve so so many plot problems. And these movies would be solved by a mitten clip for your life. Says the guy with the Wii. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Wii straps break, so you really want to get something more sturdy like a mitten clip. I live in Los Angeles. What's a mitten clip? <laughs> uh, I've lived near Los Angeles, and I know what a Wii strap is. Is that's another euphemism? That's right? another euphemism, yeah. isn't it? Go wash, wash your droids, boys. The droids. <laughs> uh, Anakin presses the button that takes him into space and flies him directly at the droid control ship. Yeah, he's too he's too young to be in the cockpit. It's like space camp. Anyone old enough to remember space camp? Yeah. Yes. Like it's yeah. farce. It's like farce at that point. It's like okay, we understand it's a kids' movie. No kid like, but like, well, he just got in the spaceship on the robot, makes it launch. Well, he just gets in the ship and just flies him into the battle. Like that's not Star Wars. It's not. He pushes random buttons. The spinning thing could be fun. Let's oh, do spinning. That's a good trick. I like to think that Darth Vader, as he's spinning away from the destruction of the Empire, says, Hey, I'm spinning again. <laughs> I, make, I make no connection between those two people. None whatsoever. <sighs> Creepy. <laughs> Can somebody explain the uh, design of the, uh, of the, the robot uh, ship? No. Nope. There used to be a whole bunch of them, but then there was just one, and once you blew up that one, you win. Apparently. Why the donut with the with the bite out of it? It's uh, it's probably a corporate logo. It's like corporate sponsorship of ballparks. It's a corporate again, logo. again. It's Death Star architecture, where there is a real serious design flaw in that the reactor core is next right to off the, the hangar deck, which you can fly into. <laughs> okay. That's shoot. a problem. Accidentally. Accidentally. Can someone explain to me why there are a bunch of battle droids just wandering around on the ship? We had enough. I got nowhere to be. Why do they need to be there? Security. For security for what? Security. They need to patrol it. Yeah, shouldn't they be all folded up and stuck in a on a rack yeah, somewhere? Like, they're not they're not out to be like there's nobody on the ship to fight. Security. There's like there's like five guys on Naboo and there's like five guys in the Except ships. for when Anakin's like fighter ends up there by accident. Security. For what? Security! Those, those mouse no droids need, can't be unsupervised. Same reason there's a jail on the Death Star. <laughs> the, the Trade Federation guy is is confident because they'll never get through their shields as they're shooting at the, the donut. But the shield does not extend over the door into the hangar bay. Well, there's particle shielding and ray shielding. and Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You can fly a ship right I just, on. I just gave myself a wedgie. Yeah, yeah those, those uh, fighter pilots have to be really sad, too. They're like, hey, that's one of ours coming out of there. It's a kid? Wow, we really suck. We're yeah. terrible <laughs> pilots. Maybe they what, forgot that the bite was out of the donut. Like they, that that flew off to the planet's surface or something, and they'd forgotten. They it were all there. stuck on autopilot. One of the fighter pilots is from Brooklyn. He says the reflective shield is too strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, also the the um, no backup for the droid. Why why is there one droid control ship? I mean, even if it had just been there was another one and they blew it up or something, to, some other droid control thing that they could do. But to just have it be well, there's this ship. It controls all the droids. If you kill it. Then uh, all the droids just turn well. There's off. there's par- there's pairing issues. If there's two droid control uh, ships, then the droids don't know which one to pair with. Uh, you don't want to see split brain droids. It's not good. Ooh, it's not pretty. What's weird is that Jeff Goldblum is in the ship with Anakin. They upload a virus via a power book. Anakin acts completely <laughs> randomly and is ex- successful exactly the way Jar Jar is down on Naboo, with his flailing around and accidentally shooting people right with a robot gun he has stuck on his foot on his ankle. Yeah. Uh-huh. I had actually completely blanked out the whole... I've only seen this maybe three times, and I had completely blanked out the entire sequence of uh, Jar Jar doing stupid things on the planet. I, I had, I had <laughs> recollections of that battle actually being kind of cool. 
It, no. Well, I think it is cool other than those parts where Jar Jar Which is 90% of it. That's all it there is. is. You're right. Yep. The thing that bugs me about Anakin's flight is that he pushes random buttons yelling, I don't know where the trigger is. Uh, and then it turned out to be the big red button on the control stick. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the one shaped like a trigger, that one? That's the trigger, yeah. yeah. He was a natural pilot. Right. <laughs> he was one of the greatest pilots. Oops, I accidentally started it. When I met your father, he was already a great pilot. Yep. John. So, John, what are we forgetting? Because so my notes irony. have now run out. Because I had lost the will to live. Uh, no, the, I my notes start to take on a sort of a, a suicidal flavor. As <laughs> thing. There are so, all ones that I'm not reading where it's just I, I, I guess I realized I was I was just writing the words oh god or this is terrible and I, with no context and thinking it would be clear to me later, but it's not. It's not clear to me. This just says yub nub twenty times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> do we do we want to do best worst part? Because if we don't, I want I have one more point that I can throw in. But if we do best worst, I'll yeah, we'll, we'll do that. that. This let's let's uh we'll we'll wrap it up I, I i wanted to say my kids i asked them uh with some fear afterward what they thought of the movie they've seen it several times before and they said it was good i i like it <laughs> and i said why why did you like it and they said well i like the pod race and 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 then my daughter said she actually really liked that double de- decoy thing that happens at the very end where it's like oh they caught us oh but it, there's the decoy ah uh, and that was it that was all i got out of them so yeah that was that. That's what kids think of it. And again, I I, I have no problem with with you know ten year old, eight year old kids liking the movie. The problem is that it's not going to be like those other Star Wars movies where uh, everybody can enjoy it. And you, and you shouldn't have shown this movie to them because when they get older and they say, "Let's watch that Star Wars movie that we had fond memories of," they're going to go, "Oh God, Dad, why, why?" I know. No, but I want them to do that. Welcome to adulthood, children. It's disappointment. Okay, so so we. This has gone on for far too long, and this movie is far too terrible. So we're going to go around the room one time, and I'd like each of you to tell me uh, what do you think the best, the single best and single worst thing in this movie is. And I'm going to start with John. All right. Uh, the best thing, I'll steal probably Dan's best thing. The best thing in this movie is the soundtrack. Not the soundtrack as it's played in the movie, which I think is done poorly and not highlighted at all, but the soundtrack as it exists uh, on the soundtrack DVD that or CD that you can buy. And the reason I say this is because when I stick in, like, there's music over the menus in, in the Blu-ray version of this thing. Uh, when I stick that in and I hear the music, sometimes I think, like, soundtracks for... Uh, I like soundtracks for movies, for video games, for TV shows. Sometimes I think... All right, you like soundtracks, but isn't soundtrack kind of cheating? Isn't it just re-triggering the good memories you have from that game that you played or that movie that you liked or the TV show that you liked? When I hear the soundtrack of this movie just playing over the menus or whatever or, like, mixed into my iTunes collection, I like it, but it obviously has nothing to do with good feelings from the movie because I have such terrible feelings with this movie, and so this vindicates my love of soundtracks. It's not just that you are reliving something that you that you liked. You can like a soundtrack on its own, completely independent of the terrible, terrible movie it's attached to. So I like the soundtrack. I think it's good. I think they should take it and use it in another much better movie. <laughs> Proof. <laughs> Uh, and the the worst thing about this movie, oh, it's so, single worst thing. It's so hard to pick a single worst thing, but I have to pick this one because it kind of gives me a twofer. I have to pick the script because the script encompasses <laughs> both the both the individual like the mic the micro level of the individual lines that are written just terribly, and the, just the overall story because the script the script encompasses that as well. There is no way to make a good movie out of this script. The end. Period. All right. <laughs> Greg, oh. 
<laughs> is that a pass? No. Is that the I good mean, or the bad thing? It, it, I enjoyed <laughs> Ewan McGregor's accent. <laughs> he does a good Alec Guinness accent. Yes, he does. Um, I don't think he says any interesting things with it. Uh, I don't think he emotes into it, but I like his accent. There's there's okay. a wryness to it that I that I can believe that 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 tone of voice becomes the Obi Wan Kenobi we know. Um, the script has been taken. So. I, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I'm going to have to go with. Um, it's not a draft. He can pick duplicates. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's no fair getting to first pick. George, George Lucas is still on the board. Uh, you know what? The thing I like least about this movie is the success of the original trilogy. This movie exists because of the success of the original trilogy. Uh, it, it's just, it's horrible. It's, it's <laughs> gutting. It's so much of my childhood, so much joy, so much inspiration, so much passion came from Star Wars. And then this held me down and spit in my face. So basically, the, the we'll say your your choice is the destruction of positive feelings about the previous movie. I still have those positive feelings, but I, I I'm 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 rendered into inarticulateness. Okay, okay. Greg says re- it causes him to be inarticulate. That's his least favorite. <laughs> I think, I think that's everybody that's else's favorite thing. Uh, Monty, uh, my favorite thing is the sound effects during the pod race. I think they're really good. You can almost tell which pod is which, even if you close your eyes. John said he pod wished, is awesome. Yeah. John said he <laughs> wished the soundtrack would be used in another much better movie. The Padre sound effects have been used in other much better movies <laughs> all the time. They're all over the Avengers, which I yes. find distracting. Um, my, least, my least favorite thing is the decision to have Anakin yell yippee even once. <laughs> uh, to make it his Was that phrase. dubbed? You never see him mouth the word. Yeah, I think it, I think it was dubbed in a yes. couple of places. They added uh, that. Yeah, they went out of their way to make yeah. sure that we <laughs> felt his childlike. Monty stole mine, and because I will just add to that is that it is a delivery of a line that sounds like it is happiness forced at gunpoint. Yeah, <laughs> like the yippee doesn't work on any level, and I don't see how they ever thought it could have. Well, originally he shouted socket to me, but that was strange, <laughs> so they they dubbed in yippee. Ren, what about you? Um, my favorite thing about this movie is that it resulted in the game Star Wars Episode One Racer, uh, because that's a really fun game, despite pod racing in the movie being kind of silly. Uh, also, I the R two D two has some cool things to do in this movie. R two D two really can't even even the additions that he gets in later movies. He really you know you can't screw with R two D two. He just comes off as looking awesome no matter what. Um, my least favorite thing piggybacking on everybody else uh i cannot stand well no i'll I'll go to my initial point i cannot stand there's no main character in this plot in this uh story and the fact that the most well-developed well-fleshed out character is Watto. all right dan uh i'm gonna start with my worst thing which is <laughs> rampant racism <laughs> fair enough um yeah, it just made me really like again, I haven't watched this movie like like whoever said before. I haven't watched this movie since 1999 or 2000 or so and I think, you know, being a lot younger at that point, a lot of that I just, you know, I was so blinded by seeing a Star Wars movie that it kind of went over my head, but this time it just it was so it made me cringe. I just couldn't take it. And it's not I, it's all over. I was kind of surprised when you guys did Die Hard, I was surprised you didn't talk about the sexism and homophobia in that movie. 
Which oh, I was, was shocked 80s. by is when that, I rewatched it. I mean, it. There, there is a thing of the time. <laughs> there, is a, there is a fact that it is a movie of a particular time. This is a movie of a time when we should It's a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm waiting for Don Draper to appear. 1945, apparently. Yeah. Everybody, oh, Qui-Gon's having cocktails. Yeah. Okay, um, so racism. Yes, racism. Dan is against racism. That's, that's the thing he doesn't like. Coming up firmly against racism, also slavery. I basically, yeah. is, this, is this George Lucas's attempt at making Lincoln? Um, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was great as Darth Maul. You but. know, I believe Liam Neeson was actually originally attached to be yes, Lincoln in Spielberg's Lincoln, which... You know, yeah. but then then Spielberg went and watched Phantom Menace again, and yeah. um, and the best thing about this movie is now that we've done this podcast, I never have to watch it ever ever again. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and I think Steve, are you the last to go? I uh, except for you, for me, yeah, generously well. has waited the until rights. the end. Yeah, I think you're probably thinking I'm going to say the poop jokes are my favorite thing, <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be right because there are at least four of them. Yeah, yeah. there's a distressing number of poop jokes. Poo-doo! But uh, but I'm not in in this film. They just make me sad because they they prove that 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 the Star Wars films have completed their trajectory into the completely juvenile and no crotch shots. Oh, they haven't completed their trajectory by this movie. You don't think so? <laughs> no, there's two more movies after this. I don't know. I think this is pretty much bargain basement right here. Uh, no, my favorite thing. I'm going to go with the uh, the hallway of pointless force fields because it was the one bright, <laughs> the one bright shiny thing that I could find in the last uh, 40 minutes of the movie. Um, as far as worst thing, I'm going to go with the fact that I find it really hard to concentrate on the action in this movie. I, I put the action in quotes <laughs> because there's just so much crap going on in the background. I mean, most of it's admittedly more interesting than the actual plot, but. When I watch this movie, because Lucas can't restrain himself, I, I can't focus on what I'm supposed to be paying attention to. I mean, the, the uh, you know, Jar Jar's doing his stupid step-in poop thing in the foreground, and yet I'm off in the distance somewhere. That's your brain trying to protect itself. That's what's happening there. <laughs> I can, I can kind of, and, and that's why I didn't see, as far as I can tell, I didn't even notice all of the Jar Jar stuff going on in the battle sequence at the end because there's so much other stuff going on and it's just it's hard to keep track of what's going on or what's what I'm supposed to be focused on because you don't care about any of it. Well, there's that. And then part of the part of the problem, I think, is that this movie is it's a cartoon with that just happens yeah. to have some live actors in it. Well, live ish. Let's not slam cartoons here. There are cartoons that are way more compelling. Than this is this is who framed Jar Jar Rabbit. It, it's just one Bob Hoskins short of of being. Uh, I mean, it's, it happens to be CGI instead of traditional anim- animation, um, but it's still a cartoon that happens to have a few live actors in it. And I understand that the natural inclination with a cartoon is is to do things that you couldn't normally do in live action, which is fine. But Lucas just he can't stop himself from jamming in every conceivable idea however random and and pointless so i guess the the inability of george lucas to restrain himself is is the worst thing for me about this film okay um here are my two i'm gonna uh, uh, it's very hard for me to pick one thing that i think is the best thing in this movie there's so many things to choose from none of which are very good um (laughs) i'm gonna say darth maul because I think he's kind of scary looking. I mean, his dialogue when he does speak, and he's dubbed with Peter Serafinovich. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, uh, look around you. He doesn't say. Um, 
it, it, it's not the dialogue because the dialogue's bad. Now we will have our revenge. But it's just he jumps around and is cool in the in the fight, and he looks scary. And they don't give him anything to do, and he has to ride on his dumb motorcycle, and he sends the balls out to find people. And, you know, boy, he could have been a much more interesting. They, they really should have used him more because he was he was interesting. I would have liked he added a little dash of of something that this movie. What's really his motivation again? He's on a mission to find people and find the queen and and kill her or because, bring her back. Because he's mean. He does what yeah, his master tells him. He does what is he's following orders, John. Anyway, I thought he was cool. This is the best. That's the best I can do, John. Just let me have this. All right, okay? all right, all right. God, college would have been a hell of a lot easier if I could have just sent the balls out to find people, <laughs> um, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so I was setting Steve up there. Steve knows I'm looking out for him. Thank you, sir. Um. I'm gonna say for my for my choice for the worst. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say droids, in all their forms are the worst. Look, I sir, think the, droids. I think, the, I think the dumb Joker droids. What do you mean? As I'm I said, naked. the Roger Roger are 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 embarrassing and and bad, um, and and deflate a lot of scenes that could have had more um more menace, so to speak, to them. <laughs> Than than were actually there. I did like the battle droids, but the but the the main droids I didn't like. I don't like the backstory for C three PO. I the fact that a, a kid's slave on Tatooine is building a protocol droid to you know serve tea and is three PO a kit? I mean, he's a standard model, but can you order him through the mail and then build him at home? Yeah, you get him from the same, from the build your own pod, uh, pod racer people. Artificial intelligences are really cheap in this universe. Hey, uh, buy a protocol droid, <laughs> Dan. Yeah. I just want you to do every podcast in that voice from now on. <laughs> I thought you were against racism. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do like uh, the fact that because he has no skin on, we see like things spinning inside him. Because I always like to imagine because that that's how he works. Like, he's wind up. I well I yeah maybe Clockwork, so that right? that would be cool I I always like to imagine that that C three PO was a real robot and not a guy in a suit and so in this movie he sort of is but in general that whole retcon of him building C three PO which is totally unnecessary and stupid and you know the way most of the droids R two D two accepted because they it's very hard to screw him up because they can't write bad dialogue for him um I just I was disappointed. Yeah, in, yeah they in, can. CPO just repeats it as a question. Well, that's <laughs> and it's pointless because they end up wiping C three PO's memory anyway. So there's no reason for this to be right. the same C three PO. I love yeah. the idea that it does provide hilarious, especially like at three o'clock in the morning after you've just watched this movie for the first time. Hilarious, like fodder for discussion with no that scene in Empire Strikes Back where Boba Fett goes to shoot Chewie. Vader puts his hand down so he doesn't shoot C three PO because he remembers that C three PO was his droid that he built, and he would be sad <laughs> if he got killed. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm totally, sure that was it. Totally makes sense. Sure Everything R two D two says in the first half hour of A New Hope is now very sarcastic because he recognizes Tatooine. Yeah, he's of like, course. "Why are you going that way?" That beeps. He says right after that is <laughs> because this is where you were built, moron. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. See again, R two D two, but with more Maybe filth. He's the best thing in this. Yeah, he's delightfully starky. He is. And we can put whatever we want in, in into his beeps instead of having to listen to the actual words. <laughs> All right. Well, this was a new New Year's resolution, and like so many, it was ill considered, and I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> but there it is. We did it. What have we learned? Nothing. Roger Ebert gave the movie four and a half stars. <sighs> he, no, no, not four and a half. Three and a half. I can talk myself into liking anything. <laughs> you know, it's funny you yeah. say that, but it doesn't sound like you really like this movie that much, to be honest I, with you. I don't 
actively like it. I've done a lot of work, and I've gotten to the point where I'm okay with it. You're at And peace. I can watch it for bits I like. That's Would good. you choose to watch this, like, voluntarily? I like, have. Just, yeah. Probably not right now, because I watched it last week, but I watched Will you ever watch it again? Yeah. You know, I have to say, the first the first time I watched this, having been primed with, with so many bad things about it from other people, I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was actually pretty okay, and I could see showing it to my kids. And now that I've watched it again, and... I've actually seen some of the things I missed the first time, and, and I recognize how dismal it truly is. Uh, it was worse than I remember. It, oh, it's a million yeah. times it's much worse. worse. It, was, it was worse than I remember, and I've, I've seen this movie a lot. And I thought, I'm going to watch it. I came into it thinking, all right, I haven't watched this movie in so many years. I have the Blu-ray version of it. Maybe I'll, I'll, I figured I would get some enjoyment out of some aspects of this. And maybe like, oh, it's not as bad as you thought. And it was the opposite. It was so much worse. I cannot. I'm going to. I feel like melting this the, this disc now. Well, good news, guys. Attack of the Clones is way better. Oh. <laughs> Look, it's no Hudson Hawk. I literally remember absolutely nothing about Attack of the Clones. That's I've seen neither, it three I've times. Seen it exa- I've seen it once. I saw it in the theater once. Yeah. I've not seen yeah. Attack of the Clones since then. I've seen it, Attack of the Clones three or four times, and I, I do like it a lot better than this movie. Oh, so. I can't. I, I remember nothing about yeah. that movie. Uh, are we going to do those to movies? Because yeah. Don't ask me now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, after two hours of this podcast, yeah. Give me some time. He's too full of hate. He needs to digest yeah, some. I remember having yeah. bad thoughts about Jason after finishing this movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's like pregnancy. You forget how bad it was so you can do it again. I will also take issue with all the poor Stockholm Syndrome people who claim that Revenge of the Sith is almost up to snuff with the original Star Wars movies because those people no. are full of crap. No. I liked it at the time. No. I have not watched it since. And I, well, I, I hate to say this. It that way. It's not good. It's <laughs> very ready. much not good. I'm, I'm willing to believe you. Like, that sounds right. Search your feelings, etc., etc. Do not et want. But, no. But Wookiees. <laughs> Yeah. Remember the too many lightsabers idea? Yeah. Yeah. Incidentally, you you mentioned how you had kind of fallen into a hate bubble by the end of this film, John, and uh, were writing just uh, just burblings to yourself about how miserable you were. If you ever do watch the riff tracks of this film, more or less after the first 20 minutes, it's just that. It's just yeah. cursing and anger. I, see, well, I, I did watch the riff tracks of this once, and, and my memory of it is... Wow, not even not even listening to riff tracks can get me through this movie because it's it's that it's that bad. Like I, I can't even listen to my little funny friends making jokes because really after twenty minutes it's just oh god kill me. <laughs> From them and me. There's a lot more cursing in that than the average riff tracks, and for obvious reasons. <laughs> All right. Here it is. It's a pact. This never happened. You never heard this. We never saw this movie. It doesn't exist. What movie? Hey, get your hand out of my face. Are you waving your hand when you say that? <laughs> I am like the fog. What if you say, Chief? <laughs> yeah, my my wife asked me when I when she knew I was going to watch this for the for the thing. She asked me. She says, she says uh, "Well, can Alex watch it now, my son?" I said, "No. Why? Why would he like? Why? No. Why, why would you do think the rules, that's okay? The rules change just because I have to watch this, you know, for a podcast. No, the rules don't. No, it's not suddenly okay for our children. No, it does not exist, and it continues to not exist. I couldn't believe she even asked. It's like something had changed. Nope." And, and no. then she said, oh, I'm going to sit on the couch and watch it with you. I'm like, why would you do that? And she didn't make it. She got up. No. <laughs> you can't. You can't do it. <laughs> no. It can't be done. It can't be watched. Why, why would you do that? Why? It doesn't make any sense. The only reason would be to be on a podcast where you talked about it. And now we've discharged our duty, so we'll never need to do this ever again. Just for that, I'm watching it again right now. I'm going to go watch the droid. Everybody watch the droid.
Is that a dance move? That's a different podcast. So I'd like to thank my guests who were great, and it was so awesome to talk about this totally awesome, excellent movie with you all. What just happened? Dan Morin, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on this. Yippee. (laughs) Serenity Caldwell, thank you very much for being here. Yippee. (laughs) Greg Noss, I know you wanted to be here desperately. I'm so glad you could make it. You're on my list, Snell. Monty Ashley, thank you very much for being here. Wizard, Jason. (laughs) Wizard. (laughs) John Syracuse, thank you. This is the end of the podcast, and now we are going to finish with it. (laughs) I acknowledge your response and ponder its meaning, and then consider, have I asked everybody to say goodbye yet? And thought to myself, no, I have not asked Steve Lutz yet. Steve Lutz? Thanks, Jason, so much for allowing me to revisit this film, Slamo. <laughs> that means slime ball in Sebulbus Peak, just in case you missed. I'm sure. Yeah. That leaves me, and so for everybody here at the Incomparable... Incom- oh, sorry, I should I should rephrase that. Isa me! <laughs> for everybody, I say incomparable, I say goodbye! <laughs> Well, okay, we did it. <laughs> what did we do? Is this- Hooray! Guys, is, uh, is this where the suicide pack gets in? Yeah. Let's try drinking. That's a good trick. <laughs> this has been the last episode of The Incomparable. <laughs> Goodbye. Everyone raise your glasses of Kool-Aid. This podcast is over. Now this is podcasting. There it is. <laughs> oh, if I could reach through this microphone, Steve Lutz. It had to be done. I'm sorry. Okay, so that Jedi with the long neck? Yes. You can't tell this from the movie at all, but he's the same race as this pod racer with four arms. Quadranero? I don't don't know his name, and I can't remember his race, although (laughs) I did play one of them in a Star Wars RPG once. Wow. (laughs) But I can report that that same race is used twice, once as a pod racer and once as the Jedi. That seems a really dangerous race to be pod racing as, because I feel like your head's going (laughs) to come off pretty quick. (laughs) But it's the wind shear alone. Apparently they have super fast reflexes, which makes them good Jedi. And isn't there another, there's another Yoda too, right? Yaddle. Yeah, I knew, and I knew that, and I knew that, and I hate myself for it. But like that to me always really bugged me in the movie because it made Yoda so unspecial. Like he's supposed to be an unknown race. Yeah, exactly. And it's like now we're gonna we're gonna totally define that now. His race was created by midi chlorians. Yeah. The robot chicken Star Wars bit with Jar Jar, I think, is one of my two favorites in that one. Where it's just like they push me at the airlock. It's me, I'm alive. Yes, and then he kills, and then he comes back as the Force Ghost. Misa Sparkly. <laughs> that to me is uh, God. That one hilarious gets me every time. Also, we didn't mention how emasculating it is that Anakin's nickname is Annie. Yeah, which I really <laughs> that's the least of uh, his problems. Like he needed any more emasculating, or, or how incredibly creepy the 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 flirting scenes are between like a six year old and like this. Oh this, gosh, I, I don't understand. It's it's just I yeah. For you too, Annie. What you no, care uh, for the? But are you an angel? And like, and someone you meet at that the age, like I don't see how you could ever. my racer? Because that works on ladies all the time. Oh god, racer is a euphemism, right? Yes, yes. To wash the droid. Yeah, washing droids. <laughs> Padme should have been like a a, a high school teacher in Florida.
When I was young, I could watch the droid three or four times a night. Oh, I can't believe I missed the chance to tell you you and Big Doo Doo, Jason. That was that was when you sent out your balls. Doo Doo, isn't it? No, at the beginning there are four there are four poop jokes that I counted because I keep track of such things. Uh, when when Jar Jar returns, are those to like the scratch City. marks on your cell wall, Steve? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, those aren't scratch marks. <laughs> they are marks of a sort. Oh boy. So when Jar Jar returns to the Bubble City, uh, another Gungan tells him, "You and Big Doodoo." Big Doodoo, yeah, right. Yeah, because that's George W. Bush. Then uh, Jar Jar steps in the poopy. Yes. Uh, then uh, the camel-like thing farts, farts at Jar Jar. Yeah. And, and the great thing about the fart scene is that it's not part of any other scene. That is a pure, dedicated, 100% yes. insert fart scene fart now. Scene. It's not connected in any way yeah. to the surrounding scenes. No, no well, I just, I just this is the, well and truly the same guy movie. who comes up with the Star Wars movie is like, you know what would be good right here? Fart joke. Fart. Any, kid, any kid's movie post-94 or 95 must have fart jokes. Yeah. That's it's not just, even a fart joke. That, that was just a thing that farted. Fart. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah. a it fart in a joke. A, to a <laughs> it wasn't a fart in a context. <laughs> there was where no fart way. Was yeah, it, it happened. There was no way. There was no, no way to remove like, it from the movie. Just a thing that farted. If you fart in church, that's a fart joke. Still makes me laugh. If you fart, if you fart in a place that's inappropriate for farting unexpectedly, if you fart into the face of a disliked character, there, there is such a thing as a fart joke. Then there is just a thing that farts outdoors. An animal farting outdoors, not near anybody that we care about, not in an inappropriate situation. In a loud place where nobody heard it, it is just a fart. So, uh, Steve, are we also counting? And then number the fact number four is Sabalba says poodoo, and poodoo, at that yeah. point, I that that point I had passed out pretty do much. We, do but we, he says bantha poodoo, and it's bantha translated poodoo. in the subtitles as bantha fodder. So it's possible that poodoo they eat their own they poop. eat their own poop. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah, oh, um, right. fair so like dogs. We, we didn't talk about it, symbiont circles, which is a very important theme in this extremely deep <laughs> oh, movie uh, about. I was going to say, Steve, you left out the time when Jar Jar gets hit in the nuts once too. Yeah, uh, that's not a poop Lance, joke. I know, but it's still it's. I, I think it's of that gro- it's groin-based humor. humor. <laughs> it's crotch humor. Cro- yeah. The thing that blew me away is that every scene, pretty much after Jar Jar is introduced, is is interrupted with some ridiculously broad physical comedy. It's it's not like there's a a, a section. It's not like it's not like the, the Charlie Brown specials where Snoopy gets twenty minutes to skate around. It's every freaking scene. Yeah. We're breaking away to Jar Jar doing something unbelievably stupid, and then we get back to what we were doing. Well, but that's Star Wars, though. I mean, in Empire Strikes Back, there's that scene where Yoda slips and falls on his butt, and there's the no. Sorry, <laughs> oh, I, for, I forgot to say that I liked I liked the Queen's uh, like the Queen's mirror finish SR seventy one. I forgot to mention yeah. that. Oh, except oh god, I love the fact that Pretty it's awesome. called a Nubian just because I want the, I want them to pop up and go. What's a Nubian? <laughs> <laughs> Here, here is some uh, titles, by the way. Just since I've got it open, and they suggested titles tonight. It's been a while since we've done one of these. The hallway of pointless force fields, Gungan style. I like that. <laughs> there is uh, there, there's already a college humor video to named Gungan style. Actually, uh, which is worth watching, if only because it starts out as a completely serious, like you know, parody of of, Gun- of Gangnam Style with Gungans, and then, and then a seven. minute and a half in gets to like the like. The main, the guy who makes it getting really depressed and committing suicide. <laughs> and it just gets darker from right. there. It is very weird. We have uh, removed their essential muppetness or puppetness. Uh, eat it, Kenobi. Go wash a droid. <laughs> a little Jedi goes a long way. Time for the exposition droid. There is enough blame to go around. <laughs> Yippee! Now this is podcasting. Yeah. Happiness forced at gunpoint. Uh... 
Now, never show me this again. Robert's Rules of Order in space. If you could just mute the dialogue. I'm so angry. Why would you do that? It's unnecessary. <laughs> Are they just, is the person submitting this no, having a breakdown really as submitting this? He's quoting Wayne's World. The Jedi are dicks. Post-prequel disappointment disorder. A CGI winged thing. Uh, he made me watch it again. Are you an angel? Oh, yes. I feel like melting this disc now. That's good. Dan is against racism. <laughs> <laughs> it's like true a, sturdy Austin. like a mitten clip Standing the racism I'm against it the Jedi fawns uh, a cloud of midichlorians and Dan doesn't love Star Wars I don't know where that came what? from <laughs> oh that was before you were on we said Dan wasn't going to be on because he doesn't care about Star Wars <laughs> someone just added after you turn off the thing just a thing that farted just, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that actually is, that's that the actually is good because the thing, thing is George Lucas in this case. That could apply to Lucas, yeah. Oh, man. Well, <sighs> yeah. It's been a thing. It happened. There can, I we said just, it. can we go back to doing things that we enjoy? Oh, yeah, this is this is like soul draining. Like makes you now, now we can. years to my life. It's like that machine in Princess Bride. Frankly. I'm going to go watch the catharsis. Avengers. You don't come by easy. I watched Death Race 2 yesterday, and I enjoyed it more than this. Wow. And by the way, Ving Rames and um and Sean Bean will do anything for a paycheck. They they're professionals. Yeah. That's what that means. All right. Excuse I'm gonna let me. all those East Coast people go to bed and they're gonna dream. Plus Monty in of, England. It must be late for him. Oh, it's, it's like two AM, like isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah it's it kinda late. Wow. Yeah. But I really hate this movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I All can right, well, feel your hatred. Well, send me your files, and this will be quite an amusing editing job. So, oh yeah, have fun with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm available if you want me to do some of it, Jason. Oh, really? Intriguing. You haven't had enough. I I just feel too bad for him. <laughs> Greg Greg's gonna just edit it down, so it's just a chain of of incomprehensible hateful <laughs> statements. That's, of course, you use lightning or uh, the what logic is it? logic, and I yeah. I'm still in GarageBand, so it'll, I'll have to spend like three it's times just, as long plowing yeah. through it. It's just two and a half hours of screaming. like a French like 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 a French New Wave movie, no! like letter. Letter to Jane or something like that, where all the conversation is removed and all it is is just our exclamations of hatred. I once watched an experimental <laughs> film. 60-minute hate. In which the soundtrack of the film is actually just a sine wave. And let me tell you, <laughs> I watched that film twice. Thanks, film class. Um, it doesn't get better the second time. No. It's a, oh, sorry. The video part of that is a slow zoom across a room for forty-five minutes. <laughs> imagine, imagine a podcast where the only sound played at all is the spoiler horn. That's delightful. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, okay. I'd, good night. Night. Night, guys. Hey, go catch oh, up on your TiVo with the game, Greg. Yeah, eat it. <laughs> he said reluctantly. <laughs> go wash a droid. <laughs> Oh, I was already doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Good night, guys.